Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie? Go ahead and pop in your DVD or Blurry of Carrie. Press play, press pause. When the MGM logo fades to black in the first frame, you perceive of all black, press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point, I'll press play, you'll press play. We'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary here for five friends in your head. Parentheses.com in parentheses. Anyway, my friends, your friends, <laughs> myself as always this week, T. Christie and my friend Paul Santagata. Hi there. Eddie the Eddie Doty. Dirty Pillows. Michael Dorkman Scott. <laughs> They're all going to laugh at us. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. <laughs> yes. My God, this is a tense movie. And this opening scene is like a masterclass in building tension. Uh, with all the, I, I didn't realize how terrifying junior high school girls were. That's what I'm. I'm that's where I'm going with this. I just, <laughs> Stephen King taught us it, that. It freaked <laughs> the hell out of me. And and De Palma. Some people, I guess De Palma has more of a widespread of opinion than I thought he did. But I, I thought he was one of those guys that was sort of lauded ubiquitously. But I guess not. I got to tell you, this guy can make a tense scene, and he does it several times in here. I know it from The Untouchables too, and. You know, I've never seen Scarface. It occurs to me I've never seen Scarface. The, well, he did the. He also did the first Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. Oh, Which, wow. Yeah. Also, Phantom of the Paradise. You must check out Phantom of the Paradise. That's a good movie. Yeah, and I'm just blown away by this opening scene. And the rest of it is is fantastic. Sissy Spacek. There there was not a better person in the 100 years before or after Sissy Spacek for the role of Carrie. Yeah. Like, she is so pretty and kind of alien and weird looking <laughs> and wafy. And you feel like you could knock her over with a stiff fart. Yeah. She is exactly right for this role. It's, it, depending on how you light her, she can either look beautiful or like a skull it's anyway true. but carrie is we'll color I, it's not a movie eyes. i find myself going back to that often but boy is it good i mean i, I think it could use a little trim here or there yeah but uh I, honestly i don't think this was really a candidate for remaking it like three or four times um, <laughs> as it stands i think it's accessible to a modern audience and it's just scary as all get out and just really outstanding performances from sissy spacek and um, oscar nominated john travolta you know yeah just because paulu <laughs> how are you on carrie that a movie that you find yourself watching every night while you go to sleep kind of slowly getting drunk whoa um <laughs> leading question your honor <laughs> not really i saw this for the first time on tuesday or wednesday um, somehow had not really ever encountered carrie or uh, spent any time with it i i like a movie where not much happens so I'm totally on board with You this. should have been here for Vertigo. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> is, is it what you expected? My cultural expectation uh, couldn't have been more accurate or more completely spoiled. And I kind of felt like I had seen the movie just in bits and pieces. So then the thing that I was experiencing for the first time was kind of the, the pacing and the editing and the tension of the actual piece of work, which mm. is something I really enjoyed and appreciated. Oh, hi, Eddie. Oh, hi. Uh, I saw this movie probably, I was way too young to see it. I saw it like, I think I was like in awesome. sixth, no, I saw it, it was in sixth grade, and so I saw this, I'm like, this is high school? Like, <laughs> yeah. Brace like, yourself. Legitimately terrified me, not just for the crazy telekinetic powers, but just for how dicks kids are, and I think that's ultimately yeah. what the book, which I would go on later to read, the book definitely gets that right, just how fucking cruel kids can be in high school. It, how just like easy it becomes like, oh, this person's different, let's tease him, let's tease him, let's tease him, and then it just slowly becomes this really awful thing. He was a school teacher when he wrote exactly. the book. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, so he sees this firsthand, so he, yeah. he obviously got a lot of that right, but I think this does a good job of like, the revenge fantasy ultimately is not good for you either. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't exactly work out for anybody. We'll talk a lot about editing in this one, because this yeah, one this was, one does yeah. some interesting stuff. This does yeah. some interesting stuff. It actually was not necessarily good. Yeah. Not necessarily good, but there's a couple moments so that influenced me kind of to this day editorially. There's a large discussion to be having about how the gear you're on influences your aesthetic, uh, especially relative to the time. We talked about it on Vertigo, like when you're moving a camera the size of a piano, there's 
so many things you can do with it. Um, I think there's so many things you can do here. You know, the, the only issue I have with it is the problem is that everybody looks like it's a high school of 35 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. As I said before. So but, continuing education high school. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, they all flunked out five or six times. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's, I think it's probably De Palma's best film, I would say. It's, it's debatable. Untouchables? Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly I, Phantom of the Paradise, y'all. Uh, yeah, no, that, and that, gotta uh, see that, that that's, it's good. I will give that. But in terms I mean, of it's like, a, it's his first film is, you know, it's a young man's film. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very really wacky a, film, but it's, if you haven't seen Phantom of the Paradise, Definitely worth seeing. See that movie. I think Carrie benefits best from just this constant tension throughout that I think De Palma expertly rides and knows when to dial in the moments. Yeah, that's, that's a directorial hand. That's, yeah, I, I feel I yeah. feel his directorial hand it's, it's, successfully it's here. It's that in combination, with, uh, in combination with this, this, this screenplay is essentially the novel. I mean, there's exactly. really nothing changed. The, it's, not, it's not like The Shining where it's yeah. radically different. All that was changed, I, I actually just reread the book when we talked about no. doing this because it's a very short book. Pretty much all that's changed is the more... The more expensive stuff they wouldn't yeah. have been able to do. Like she te- she tore up the town in the yeah. book, yeah. She, which they couldn't really afford to do here. And, and so I'm pretty sure the only reason they remade it with Chloe Moretz was to do the, the scene town. where they could blow yeah. up the yeah. town. I and, haven't seen it. And yet. even some of the stuff that's in the book was shot or attempted, but they cut out, like yeah. the like the hail of hail of rocks that mm-hmm. destroys things and so on. They they tried to do that, but the effects weren't up to it. Exactly. So it's a, so I'm just building up what you're saying. It's it's. King had this, you know, beautiful freight train of a story, mm-hmm. and De Palma was the man to to bring it out. He he got the he caught the ball and then ran it fifty yards. Yeah. De Palma, the directorial hand. Hey, yeah, that's how football works, right? I'm just curious. So I, apparently, yeah. cool. You covered my bad pun with a sports reference. I don't know. Dorkman. Yes, Carrie. Yeah, like I said, I, I I had seen this before, but it's been a while. Certainly, certainly, I'd seen it long before we we started doing. Um, it's weird the watching show. movies after this podcast. I know. Like, it really done is. This for years, and now <laughs> yeah. you watch movies totally differently. Now. But I find when I like movies, I like them a lot more because <laughs> yeah. I can appreciate them a lot more. Just realize how hard it is. Yeah. To <laughs> I w- I'm really impressed by this movie. To me, it's it's similar to kind of what I said about Rosemary's Baby. I don't really see this as too much of a horror film, at least not all the way through. It's more tragic to me. That's um, a good distinction. It's really, it definitely is that. And I think De Palma does such a great job pulling that, because that's not clear in the book, and we'll talk about that a little bit. What De Palma pulled out of the book was this idea of building Carrie up and, and how things could almost go. Th- it's almost like a Lifetime movie that takes this awful turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a really bad last act. <laughs> with, a really, with a really bad last act, and she happens to have superpowers and murders everyone. Yeah. But um, he does a really good job, not only of building the tension, but of, of building the tragedy of seeing that things could be okay. This this girl is coming out of her shell. She, her life is about to change, and everyone's about to be happy. And then and then through this pettiness, it takes this awful turn. And the way he pulled that out of the material is really outstanding. Carrie is the answer to the "It Gets Better" campaign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, Trey. It's interesting to have the the perspective of you know the real time perspective that I had with this movie it was came out in seven. Weirdly enough, I already had read the novel, and that was King's first published novel. He wasn't Stephen King yet. I literally pulled it off the rotating rack at the drugstore because the cover looked interesting, and I was into horror novels at the time. Pulled it off the rack, read it, was like, wow, that's freaky. And then, hey, they're making a movie out of that, that book I read. That's cool. Which then turned out to be this massive hit. So, of course, in 76, a movie about teenagers. Movie. When I was one, I saw this movie in the theater I, at least um, probably a couple of times. So it's another one of those movies where, at the time, I saw it so many times that I think I don't ever need to see it again. So when I rewatched it for this, I hadn't li- actually seen it in decades. 
and was realizing like how much I remembered and how much I didn't remember of it, you know, and rediscovering it and sort of seeing it in a whole different way. Most of it holds up. The part that doesn't hold up is the 90210 hijinks that yeah, sort yeah. of uh, get in there and, and fill up some time that it doesn't need the filling of. But, uh, you know, it's just a choice that was made. What I was really struck by is other than the actual outright villain, no one in this movie is wrong. Everyone is trying to do and, you know, mom is nuts. But but, you yeah. know, but even the even the kids who have done bad things are trying to atone for it. Yeah. Carrie is, you know, stuck in a position where she's trying to do good and, you know, she's just prevented at every turn. So, so many people are trying to do good things and be good people. And all of that just backfires in a tremendous train wreck. It's really a strange message for a movie to be putting out. But it's very Stephen King. It's very high school, too. And very high school. Yeah. Cool. You're at the point where the MGM logo has faded to black as we are here. Put your finger on the button. Three, two, one, on pause. The, the interesting thing in, in rereading the, the <clears throat> book that I had forgotten about, because I, I remember the, the overall, you know, the overarching plot yeah. and stuff like that. It's a, and it's a very simple yeah. story, it's, um, yeah, especially com- compared to, uh, you know, Stephen King's Sad girl is sad, then it gets really bizarre sad. Bizarre yeah. epics <laughs> now, but it, it literally takes course, it takes place over the course of a week. It's like, yeah. th- th- there are th- essentially just like two beats. It's like they make fun of this girl because she got her period and freaked out. They feel bad about it, so some of them don't get to go to the prom because they, they don't feel bad about it and, and uh, you know, she, they try to do something nice for her at the prom, and then there's the prom, and everything goes to shit, and that's the end. <laughs> it's of, the kind of a it's, yeah. the, it's the a plot that only Stephen King could write because everyone yeah. else would be hung up on like motivations and stuff. Yeah, more, more complex well, orchestrations of the plot. There's a lot. Yes, there's there's a lot going on in terms of motivations and whatnot, but the um, <laughs> the core of it is is very simple. Whereas now, even I think Stephen King himself today. Um, I I actually really for for all that we've given him shit, I think that that Lindelof article he wrote about story gravity. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I've that never understood perfect. that term. Like I, I I've seen the definition several times and I still don't I'll get tell, it. Well, it's, it's only three weeks old that term. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the idea that nowadays when you make a movie, especially it things have to be bigger. It's like, it can't just be a story about a girl going to prom that goes bad. It's got to be about oh, the right. end This of goes the about, like, back to my thing about like the difference between stakes versus scope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Marty exactly. McFly okay. can't just save his own life. Right. Yeah, he, he has, has to, to go save... back and save the past. The kids yeah. in Tactablock can't just save their council state. They've got to save the planet. Yeah. And so, so what, what movie has been uh, number one for the last like three weeks? Exactly. What happens in that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. One person yeah. might or might not but die. But there's very little stuff story gravity in well, that movie. But here's the thing. Though, but but you, the thing. Story angular momentum, maybe. But here's yeah. the thing. If you if you read the articles that have been coming out uh, lately, th- the script had all kinds of notes. Yeah. Like, she's got to have a love interest. You've got to cut back to Houston. You've got to show adventure. the... you got to show that. And he stood his ground and he had made a movie in six years and like, I got this. We're talking about gravity. Yeah, gravity in case you haven't later. seen it. Is this scene why they're all not the right age, do you think? Uh, yeah, probably. A good, or also a just possible well, because it's, I, it's hard it's to find 16 year olds. I'm sorry, Dorkman, finish your thing. Sorry. It was much more common at the time. You didn't really see teenagers play teenagers as right. much yeah. at the time, no. just in general. This whole sort of Disney Channel farm team that they've created now, <laughs> yeah. where actually you have trained actors who are 12. Yeah, holy didn't, shit. Didn't exist at the time. I just did a Disney show, and my God, they're unstoppable. Yeah, like, they I've, are I've unstoppable. been on the set of a Disney show with kids, and it's it's really weird. It's they, weird, they, man. They groom them like thoroughbred horses. Yeah. It's crazy. But, uh, but the... It's it's uh, what happens is is you know you cast your lead or whatever and you go well 
if she's going to, and, and Sissy Spacek looks the youngest, even though she's the same age as everyone else. She's mm-hmm. in her late, mid to late twenties yep. in this movie, but she looks the part. But once you cast somebody and go, that's a high school student, you kind of have to cast everyone to look appropriate yeah. with them. Cause otherwise they're, they're going otherwise to stand it's gonna out. Otherwise it's going to be ridiculous. Now, speak, like, speak, but anyway, I, I cut Mike off. Here. Well, I was, gonna say I, I, was the, I mean, we should obviously uh, talk. Yeah, about we're doing the, a big steady. Film it's, actually, we, but, it's not steady cam. CityCam yeah. was invented, first used this year, but not in this movie. No. Mm. The, really quickly, the first time I saw this was actually on a uh, TV syndicated broadcast. Talk about editing. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but, it's been cut to pieces. But there's, there, you know, it's emphasizing, it's emphasizing kind of Carrie's beauty at this point, which is yeah. an interesting choice because she's supposed to be this. Re- and and once she once she panics and, and you know, the, the blood is running down her legs and she's freaking out, then suddenly she's... You see what everybody else sees in her. You know, yeah. she's she's kind of drawn into herself, and she she looks very kind of she she, she looks like this. Uh, it, it's really well explained in the in the book that there's just something about her that like even the teacher kind of hates her for yeah. for panicking yeah. the way she does. You know, um, but it, it, as I was saying, just to really quickly wrap that up in the in the book, it intercuts back and forth between this story and the aftermath. Yes. And yeah. and how much it's about people realizing, oh my God, this is a thing. The, it, the, there, are, there are people out there with these powers. There are young girls out there with these powers. And we're just, you know, there's the investigation and now we're just, which was a very uh, kind of a, a, a tool that Lovecraft and people around his yeah. time, you know, it's going back and forth with correspondence and, yes. and articles and stuff like that. And, and so there's this very much this overarching sense of, you you get more of the horror of it because it's like the the world knows that this exists now and doesn't know what to do about it, you know. And you don't really get any of that in the movie. It's just about Carrie's story, which right. for the which for the movie I think is a better choice. For again, I haven't seen the remake, but I'm guessing they bring that, more of that. That would into be the it. modern thing. Is like can't yeah. can it affect the whole world? Yeah. Can't the whole world be affected by this? This is so freaking horrifying. It's so horrifying. And I, I, Mike's read the book thirty years more recently than I have, but I remember <laughs> in the book. Because the book, the book is um, um, omniscient. It's in everyone's yes. head. Um, is the book was very. It, it's it's in the movie too, but it was it was much more explicit in the book. Um, that Sue Snell got caught up in the pack animal thing in this es- in this episode. Yes, and really, really, really felt bad to the point where she was like, "What kind of person am I that I even participated in that?" Which is all brought out here. But I remember the book being much even more definitive about Sue Snell being like. I don't even know why I did that. I, yeah. I knew it was awful as I was doing it, um, which which I in in uh, uh, Mrs. Spielberg's performance here, um, <laughs> Mrs. X Spielberg, um, it's not quite there. She kind of you don't see the moment where she she realizes either, what either am I chooses doing? Yeah. either chooses like I'm not going to be part of this. Oh yes, I am. Or you see her feel bad afterwards, but she seems to be a willing participant right from the moment. Yeah, and I she's missed, the one who who I opens the, up. Yeah, the, exactly. I missed that little detail of her. Because I thought that was a really key part of the story that because that's what the story is about is about this whole sort of pack animal. Everyone hates the one. Yeah. Am I going to be the one to pick on the one, too, so I can be with the group? Or am I going to stand my ground and say, no, let's not pick on that person or I'm not going to pick on that person? That was kind of the key because Sue Snell kind of ultimately ends up being a central sort of the main character in a way because she's the yeah. only one who lives through it. Yeah, um, because of her at least neutral Somewhat sort of moral decency, ground. Yeah. I wonder what would be the legal she, fallout if th- this happened today. Oh, God. That, if that actually happened in a high school. <laughs> oh, today. we'd be reading about this on the Huffington Post for yeah. weeks. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, because and that's the other thing. It's like just teaching the difference between teaching and the 70s. Like the the teacher just slaps her just to <laughs> yeah. get. No way could that happen. I missed that. Yeah. I, we we lost something when we lost that. <laughs> yeah. When I went to school, they could still paddle you, but that was Arkansas, so you know who knows. No, we had a little bit of that in California too, and like we had um th- there was a at one of my schools. I I don't I don't know if I've talked about this, but I moved around every different grade was a different city for me uh, up until about seventh grade. So I got to experience. The American education system across the country. Uh, and <laughs> Which was your favorite zone? Southern California. Really? Yeah, easily. Because <laughs> yeah, huh. we're just the best. Do you mean that like in terms of like culture or in terms of the actual education system? Both. Uh, the best school I went to elementary school was in uh, Newport Beach. So it was... Uh, I like Newport Beach. Um, yeah, no, and it was. I had a really good teacher. It was really progressive. I, I that was the year I got. They, they were like, oh, he's not weird. He's actually just sort of intelligent. They actually put me in the gifted program. <laughs> that, that happened weird? to me yeah. too. Weird, they yeah. put me in the special needs class for two years the, until they put me they in the gifted class. They didn't have me in special needs. They just they. I kept getting C's, and then like in fourth grade, they're like, you realize he's actually doing like algebra, and like they're like, okay, let's put him in the in gate. They call it at the time. They threw me in gate, and then at at that point, things were okay. Gifted that, and talented, talented education. Oh, I see. So, um, but regardless. Um, uh, but this, and that's why I recognize about this is that a lot of times it's, it's kind of what Trey was saying in the beginning. You only need one. You only need one kid to kind of push everybody in that direction. Um, during the whole It Gets Better campaign, Patton Oswalt had, I think, one of the better sort of essays about that where he said, it gets better, but not for the kids who get bullied. I'm speaking to <laughs> the funny kid who hangs out with the bullies and makes jokes at the right time so that he doesn't get bullied because right. that was me. Right. And that's it, it's it's very yeah, that the thing. It, that's it, it, the character. That was my thing too. You make it look, I can't fight him, I have to make him laugh. Right. No, no, no. He's saying like I'm going to hang out with the bully and be the bully's like jester. It, be, be, yeah, be that's, his that's jester. What, that's what I just said. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. <laughs> so so yeah, and therefore and but I will end up making fun of other kids who do get bullied and therefore it'll uh, hiding in plain sight kind of, yeah, you know? Exactly. Louis went off on that about like he, he, like schlubby dudes in high school when you're 40, this gets a lot better. Yeah. Because everyone else's looks are going to fade, but you will have been developing a personality. <laughs> That's right. Louis, has, uh, that, uh, Louis C.K. has that great line where he says, uh, like, Leo, look at me. I'm n- I've never gotten a single woman because of my looks. So what happens is when I meet a woman, I go, I know, but let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> Just deal. So it does get better. Um, one of the things, uh, something that Stephen King has always done, has always, always, always we, talk, we talked about. We talk about uh, the purest form of science fiction is, okay, what if X technology happened? How would that affect society? How would that affect people? How would that affect how people interact with each other? Stephen King almost always, you know, he doesn't do horror in the sense of, there's a vampire, what do we do? There's zombies, we must stick together. Stephen King always presents a normal, everyday situation that's full of tensions and repressed hatreds and angers and issues and then the supernatural element is what blows the lid off yes. that. Yeah. And and all of that happens as a you know in conjunction with whatever the supernatural thing was. But half of the horror that goes on in any Stephen King novel is the regular human yeah, beings absolutely. reacting horribly to something supernatural. Yeah. Reading The Shining was much that way for me too because it's just like that movie is primarily about addiction and a crumbling marriage. Yeah, exactly. And The and, Mist is the purest form of that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because because it's just like it's the, I mean because there's stretches of that book where it's just like you're just watching uh uh you know uh, Danny's parents fight and you're just like god this is just awful. Like yeah. this is just they're being so, cruel. And so just, like you yeah. said, this movie could be a lifetime movie about yeah. this girl who gets horribly bullied and then, you know, it only turns supernatural at the end when you go, well, what if this, yeah. you know, what if this happened? What if she had the power to fight back? Exactly. You know? So, but otherwise it's, it's, it's really a story about 
you know, small town anxieties and who hates who and who's popular and who's not and high school being just this snake pit, you know, and all these kind of things. And that's yeah. the the movie translates that perfectly. They're almost all cautionary tales of like, yeah. look, we're 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 all struggling with these, and it would take one thing <laughs> yeah. to just like you say, blow the lid completely <laughs> off it. Maybe we should deal with it without the one thing. <laughs> yeah, really, one match will blow this powder keg yeah. right up. What are uh, bullied kids supposed to take away from this movie? I, you know, uh, I practiced I, my psychokinesis, but it didn't work out. I saw I saw a really interesting um, uh, one of the blurbs on Rotten Tomatoes that was very interesting about the new one. Um, that was that was saying you know the the horrifying thing about Carrie in 2013 is not what happens in the movie. It's how many kids like her exist without any power at exactly. all. You know, and that that's, that's a good line. To, yeah. I, I kind of kind of what I just said in the beginning is that um, you know in many ways this is like a, you know what Carrie is able to accomplish is in, for a lot a bit of a revenge fantasy just like sure. okay yeah this I, is I, a movie you know. about Eric and Dylan you guys yeah no it's, yeah. I mean in a lot I mean it's like yeah you make fun of me and yeah I'm different yeah my mom's kind of crazy well I'll show you it, it's not like it ends well for Carrie it's not like Carrie rides off into the sunset after this well, it's like no what's really weird is 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 as I said even mom. What's what's great? It's it's ambiguous in the book and the and the movie. Yeah. Even mom might even be right. You could even take mom's point of view. Yeah, Carrie's mom. Because what was Carrie doing in the shower? She was kind of maybe a little pleasuring herself uh-huh. in her own mm-hmm. body a little bit. Well, you know, well, let the devil in. Boom, there you go. So <laughs> you're laughing, but it's like there are people who would go absolutely. Uh, sure. For example, mom. So at least you know that that the fact that the 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 suggestion is there. Yeah. That you know it's like. Maybe mom's right. Maybe, maybe you know. I mean, mom, I mean, there, mom might have a point. There's, there's no denying the imagery once we get to uh, what in the book is called black prom. Yeah. Um. Once we get to that point and the, <laughs> the red world, wedding, <laughs> and, the, and the world is on fire and she's covered in blood. There isn't there yeah. even watching this. There was an aspect M- of being mom going. Called it. <laughs> maybe there is some of the devil going yeah. on here. They mom, did in mom fact kinda, all laugh at you. Mom yes. did call this one pretty close. Yeah. Actually, she did a pretty good job with this. I'm actually now that I think about it, I, I said it kind of jokingly, but I'm serious. This is basically a movie about the Columbine kids. This is a movie about Eric yeah. and Dylan. No, uh, Zarban just said in the chat, and he was like, "You could tell the same story essentially with guns." Well, but you know, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that just a, a hair because if you if you like studying like about the lives that Eric and Dylan led, I would. Say uh, the a movie that has more, it, it probably accounts for it more is um, oh shoot with Tilda Swinton and John C. We Riley. need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. That is more like that because what happens there is well, not that this is the most like that, but just typically what we're looking well, at in it's, terms it's of the character. The same I mean, absolutely. Yes, but I would, I would, but again, the, the, the it's a character the, making you sympathize with the people who blew up the school. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but what, I think the key difference to note is is the role of the parent. This is this is the inverse of of from what we understand what the, the life of 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 Dylan and, and Jesse is is that the mother is extraordinarily controlling doesn't let anything doesn't allow anything to happen and is extraordinarily regimented and not having an open honest discussion the inverse of that is this idea that oh you get good grades and uh, you don't get into trouble so you're fine so therefore you can order things online and you I have need no, no idea. supervision you at need all. no supervision at all and we don't have to t- oh, oh they're good they're happy and healthy therefore I don't have to talk to my kids about how they're feeling yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the I think the biggest difference. And like the, I think Columbine is a very uniquely turn of the millennium issue that parents were kind of confronted with, which is like just because my kids are going to get school and they're not getting arrested and they're not getting into fights and they get good grades, therefore they are their moral compass is correct. Yeah. And and that's not the case here. This is the inverse of that. This is Carrie's internal moral compass is pretty good. Just no one ever had 
a discussion with her. And when you hand someone who's so hurt and damaged unlimited power, yeah, that's that's where this yeah. movie kind of ends. That, that's uh, so you know, it's that's a movie a about point. Anakin. <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> pretty much. Or yeah. it's a, it's a or 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 uh, uh, another. Uh, Akira is another yeah. great example. Akira is a it's, really good example. If you if you hand someone or you know there's the the inverse of the of the Spider-Man philosophy. It's you know with great power comes great responsibility. Well, no one ever taught her responsibility. Right. She's got nobody to talk to about it, and so she's all she's got is this this ability that she just unleashes and lashes out at the world and and what else is going to happen it hasn't occurred to me until just this minute and i don't want to get off on talk about every other movie on earth except for carrie but yeah we should we should talk about this soon because this moment here actually is worth discussing yeah i'll I'll come back to my thing okay well i was gonna say just again in a historical perspective in 1976 there maybe there are other examples but this is the first example i was aware of where there was a character in a movie who was a christian who was batshit crazy yeah <laughs> i had never seen that before and i was like wow that's pretty <laughs> that's extreme um which we know is you know not that he does it in everything but uh, you know, some she, she showed up in the mist again this is this character <laughs> yeah. um you know stephen king obviously stephen king was obviously has a deep underpinning of christianity and the whole many of his yes. stories are about god old testament god versus new testament yes. god the stand the shine the stand, yeah. the stand is all about the old testament god God yep. and like what is the Bible really saying and the Bible you know in the Old Testament is like look you God's got a, is God's got a plan and you're not even going to like your part of it but <laughs> yeah. you have to do it um, so so this this character who is just a completely insane over the top Christian character I, I'd never seen in any kind of you know major media of well, any it's, kind it's and, also, yet, uh, and yet now we, we look at just like people who are in Congress and you go, that's not. Yeah, like, that's, that's, not that that's, a, she could, that's she, completely she, possible. She could be the representative from Minnesota now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What we're looking at here is behavior. And in terms of this movie being like a character sketch and comparing it to other character sketches, we're looking right here at behavior that of all characters, Harry Potter went through pretty much the same shit and came out a completely different <laughs> a character. The stairs and yeah. Just in terms of what being shat upon and feeling abandoned and never being dealt with as a loved and affectionate child and all that yeah. stuff growing up, the, the, like the ways this can go. We were making a joke about this basically being, you could call this movie Anakin, it'd be the same thing. Yeah. But also... Harry Potter went through the same, almost the exact same shit. The, His pussy didn't start bleeding. Worse, but, because, you know. worse because he had like three other people in the yeah. family. But who were Joe Rowling never got to that book, the, I guess. The but, difference for and they just go in completely different directions. That's interesting. Well, it, that that you can plausibly form a character from the exact same scenario and have them go in two different directions. It's, uh, well, it, it ultimately is is because of what um, what came next. When when Carrie gets her powers, nobody is there to guide her. When Harry Potter finds out he's a wizard, he's got the entire wizarding world going, okay, we're going <laughs> to yeah. make this work. Here's how this works. First of all, no magic outside of yeah. school. And with the exception of... Because otherwise you're yeah. going to be melting your family's exactly. face. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, there was... I, I forget who said it, but it's like um, the, the inherent problem with Superman as a character is because, like, I've had really bad days. Why doesn't Superman ever have a really bad day where someone pisses him off and he just melts them? Like that's yeah. that's a very human thing. You know good what I mean? Job, like, can't. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good that's... point in the chat, Doc's up. He says, "Well, that's one of the things they're doing with Harry Potter is that Voldemort had a similar upbringing and they go yeah, they go he went so, the other way." So right. this is a movie either of uh, Columbine or Voldemort or Anakin. <laughs> Harry, well, I, know, well, I think Harry's just that good. What, I mean, he's just that good yeah. a person. What I think, I, and and to get a little heady on this, but like I think. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to piss off people of faith. And I don't want to like, I don't want to like besmirch anybody's. I think faith is, you know, very personal. I'm not here to like lay intellectual superiority over anything. But I'll do it. I, We're good. I think there is. <laughs> I think there is. I think there is an inherent misogyny to this brand of Christianity. And whereas, oh, oh yeah, yeah. as well, the, the mom is very much about self-loathing. That's what I'm saying. It's it's very much it's very much a uh, um, uh, there's a word for it that's smarter than me. Uh, no, there uh, about just 
there about uh, yeah self-loathing of the gender and just like how and women are just inherently on a step lower and the mother embraces that and for a developing teenage girl uh who has her period abnormally late probably because of telekinesis telekinesis i'm just saying uh has her period abnormally late you know this is the to me the the birth of everything is this this series of scenes right here you had your period because you are evil you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's already in your head. It's just something your body did, and it's totally your fault. Yeah. It is the inherent sin of the woman. It's well, it's you know? it's made clearer uh, again in the book. Carrie's mom, uh, and and there's some some references to it the way the way she talks. But Carrie's mom legitimately believes that if a girl, if if a girl, a woman, yeah. is sinless. She won't go through puberty yeah, effectively. Yeah. She won't grow breasts. She won't. She won't have the blood come upon exactly. her. She won't get pregnant the blood of Cain like and all that, that other yeah. stuff. Yeah, she she legitimately believes that. So the fact that Carrie went through a com- the completely natural process of going through puberty and got her period and and is growing breasts and stuff like that to her mother that is a signal that she is sinning in some fundamental way, even if she's not doesn't want to admit it in the I shower ha- at school i yeah. have not seen the new kimberly pierce uh, version of carrie but I, I i'm gonna spoil the opening scene because somebody told me about this and i thought this was a really interesting choice to make uh greatest american hero yeah. um believe it or not uh, also uh, in the house <laughs> but uh the uh yeah, eight is enough too, right? Not the um, TV did you just show? shout out TV show themes? Will we start singing them? Fuck yeah, Not the TV show. Wait, they... House the movie? Yeah, yeah. That's that is the guy from that's House. William Cat. Yeah, that's okay. William Cat. Yeah. I was like, um, is that the guy? Who's the, the whole time see, I watched it, this movie. It's the whole cultural perspective because I knew that Mike has just recently seen the horror movie House, not <laughs> yeah. the TV show. The, the, yeah, House, but yeah, the horror movie. And it's like you know, it's like it's funny that you just now put it together because. Yeah. In real time, it's like, oh, the guy from Carrie's doing another movie. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> no, uh, in the new Carrie, the the new version of Carrie opens up with Julianne Moore on the bed. I don't remember mm. this being in the book either. Opens up with her on the bed, believing she's dying. And she's like, I'm going to die. And she's like talking to God, like preparing her way into heaven. And a half second later... Carrie squirts out. Oh, nice. Nah. And nope. so because That's, she's so ignorant of anything. Exactly. She, she doesn't even realize she's pregnant until she delivers Carrie yeah. on her bed. Oh, okay. So that, that's, that's not in the book. That's, I don't remember that, that at all being in the book. Fitting, but you know, it's. That's, that's and I thought like I thought like if you're going to update it, that's an interest and that's an interesting way to lay groundwork for specifically those gender roles and that idea of women's inherent weakness in the Old Testament's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. What an awful teacher. Yeah, it's like the the, the, the it's even the teachers. Yeah, you know, the teachers run the gamut. You yeah. know, the the principal's kind of ineffectual and just doesn't want to be bothered by anything. Betty Buckley is trying to be a good teacher, but she has her bad days. Yeah. This guy is just a douche. De Palma's you know. a big fan of the diopter. I shots. was about to say that shows De, up in number. De Palma uh, is nuts too. for the diopter in, yeah. in this one. There's a yeah, really sure. weird one in uh, in Untouchables. If I recall, like, it's like a really really wide lens shot. Like a like a like an 18 millimeter lens shot with a diopter on it, and it's like it's they were sitting in the church pews and they're talking. Like there's a guy in the pew in front and in the pew in back, and it's like super wide diopter shot, which is even weirder looking. I, it's it's you you nobody really uses that today. You know, you, you saw know Revenge when, of the Sith faked. Yeah, yeah and you it's, know it's you in, know when um, they like to to you know what like to fake it a lot where that was bringing it back uh, heroes like in the especially mm. in the second second third season mm. they Tarantino were using likes to use diopter it. stuff a lot. I remember it being in Mission Impossible as well. There's a couple things in uh, with Tom Cruise in there though. I think I remember mm. seeing that shot. Yeah. De Palma was I, I believe he was a uh, when I when I was in film school we had to watch De Palma films as few as there were at the time. Um, Carrie was one Phantom of the Paradise um, I, I definitely remember the day 
that our film school, he didn't go to USC. I think he's more of an NYU guy probably. But um, our, our, my film school teacher, one of my film school teachers said, okay, we're going to watch The Phantom of the Paradise. You're going to love it, which is great because it's a, it's, a, it's a film reference movie. Brian De Palma was doing movies that were about other movies before just about anyone else. Oh, he was doing Tarantino movies. But, well, no. <laughs> it's, no, movies that are referencing other movies consciously. You're supposed to oh, go, okay. oh, I, get what, I see movies. what you're doing. You oh, know? okay. So you know, he, Phantom of the Paradise is like just a big blender of of genre movies done as a rock musical with Phantom of the Opera as a framing story. Sold. So, oh yeah. <laughs> How many times have I said, go see Phantom of the Paradise? Um, it's, well, been it's, insane. The it's insane and it's very much a, a young, you know, like I just got out of film school movie yeah. and here's all the shit that's in my head just kind of blah onto the screen. Um, like no one told him, dude, you're going to make other movies. It's exactly, cool. Exactly. That's, fan- that's, 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 that's how I felt about it with Kill Bill. But yeah, yeah right. and this movie, so this movie yeah. wasn't that much longer. I mean, Phantom of the Paradise was early 70s. That was when Brian De Palma started. Um, yeah. He made a few other features. I think you're a big boy now or something like that. I don't know. It was really early. But Phantom of the Paradise, this was fairly early for him um and uh he he very much was all about he you know people always are comparing Brian, say many people at the time in his heyday were saying that he's our our new hitchcock in the way that he uses the camera people were always pointing that out um and he, he you can certainly see that you know many times he's off he's literally doing an homage to hitchcock he sometimes he gets accused of you're not just in the spirit of you are just ripping off you know hitchcock did this or that or the other thing but this movie is very much you can see him experimenting with that whole his thing, which is the the camera that goes now look at this now look at that mm-hmm. now look at up here. Mike Mills, the, you know, the way most people do comparatively with cutting, you'll yeah. just say, "Oh no, I'm, we're going to walk from yeah. place to place." Yeah. Uh, there's, 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 another, there's another director named Mike Mills who he's done a lot of indies. He got nominated for uh, Oscar a couple years ago, but uh, he that, by the way, is a proto Edie McClurg, which I never yeah. knew until now. <laughs> how, Mike, could, how could you not? It's that is, so her. That is I, what's adorable is she apparently looked like that from childhood. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. been Edie the entire she's, time. She's in her mid twenties, like everyone else in this. She's actually one of the yeah. youngest in the group. There she is. Yeah, um, she looks exactly like. I never. There was a 10-year gap where suddenly she became Edie McClurg. I mean, Edie McClurg. Well, the big thing oh, yeah. is I saw this movie. I was like, is that Edie oh, yeah, McClurg? No, no, for a little while there, she she was not a righteous dude. I saw this. I saw this right was. after. I saw this right after I originally saw Robocop. So yeah, uh, there you go. And there's, a, so, there's, a, there's a spread. And I had a huge, I had a huge Nancy crush Allen on, shit, huge man. crush on Nancy Allen and Robocop. And uh, then I saw this. I'm like, man, she is such a c-word. Like she is just yeah. so awful in this movie. Again, it's the 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 you know PJ Souls went on to yeah. do stripes. And, and other things, um, and also be married to Dennis Quaid for a few years. Um, Nancy Allen went on to do RoboCop. It was it was cause I, and, and uh, Dressed to Kill because she married yeah, she Palma a couple years later. Uh, you can kind of tell that from the way the talk about how he uses the camera. Yeah, Palma kind of <laughs> likes Nancy Allen. You can kind of tell from the movie. Who uh, doesn't, man? Like yeah. That. But, um, you know, Amy Irving went on to marry that uh, director dude, among other things. Um, it's I just it's actually a really interesting cast. Actually, Betty Buckley is the most fascinating one to me because she's only, apparently, she's only like, she's not even 30 yet. She's yeah. only like two years older, years older than these high school students. Right. What's but, interesting, uh, like, Trey, you would be about the age of these characters, not the actors. Yeah, not the actors. The, the actors are all like yeah. 10 years older than they're supposed yeah. to be. But this would have been like, you would have been about the same age as these characters at the yeah. time it came out. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it was it was you know I was in high school when this high school movie came out, and I was very much the, you know the 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 boy I sure wish I had telekinetic powers or yeah. a, or a high powered machine gun. Here we go into the asylum it's, uh, montage. It's interesting. This is the most gratuitous. I was I was exactly <laughs> going to say this yeah. this goes on forever unnecessarily. By the way, with some of the it's worst like music, jacket. some of the yeah. worst music you will ever hear. In, I in, know what in you're doing, movie. How yeah. well well there's that aspect. Uh, you know, the, God, stretching sucked so hard yeah. in the seventies. There's so bad for you. <laughs> well, Look when you at go this. that fast, destroying your backs, people. Yeah. 
Yeah, sorry, I, think, I think the important thing about this this scene, if if there's anything other than exploitation going on here, is to. I I guess he's trying to really establish this is why like the you know the the characters the uh, uh you know Chris and and them particularly Chris. <clears throat> she is blaming this all on Carrie. Yeah. yeah. So we have to really see how awful this is and for her to go the, as far as fair. she does. And that idea so. is fine, but it's shot so much like a TNA video. Yeah, yeah they're literally, we're painting, we're literally, literally ogling the entire cast. Yeah. Yeah. Repeatedly. But, yeah, Paul had um, Talking about movies with uh, a lot of gratuitous sexualization of high school athletics, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, fuck yeah. Every <laughs> single shot has, like, somebody stretching in the background or, like, somebody <laughs> jumping around. Or, by, like, by design, though, too. Yeah, I but, think, like, yeah. Uh, I, when I first noticed that, uh, I was at a bar and it was playing on the TVs in the background, and I was just, like, I kept getting distracted from the conversation <laughs> I was having. So it was just, like, every single shot. Like, this has just been, like, every conversation, and, and not with, like, a split diopter. It's all out of focus in the background yeah. and everything. But it's just, like... They're, they're still stretching. <laughs> I always, I always saw that it movie. is to high school girls what Top Gun is to planes. You guys, <laughs> yeah. I always, I always saw that movie Stretch as porn. like shot as from the perspective, like if Spicoli was directing the movie. Yeah, that's how visually that's what that movie that's would supposed look to be like. an explosion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, this is like trying to be a serious, you know, horror. When movie. you're that age, all you think about is yeah. But no, I, I get yeah. this. Yeah, this, and this I, section is kind of like come on already. It's ridiculous. Bit. It's like the Man Show. Like, like yeah, <laughs> Carol's a Gwendolyn of the land of the yik yak. All of a sudden, what is the impulse for the diopter? I would say that that's the sort of thing that you would use when you want to watch what two characters are thinking at the same time. Yeah. They, they, we want to see her and them at the same time. Yeah, and, and he wanted he wanted that framing instead of like a, a, a profile shot or, or anything like that. So. I wonder if it would be too highfalutin and just completely spurious to go. Somebody, Does that indicate a director who's interested in sort of the confliction, the conflicting perspectives of different characters in the story they're telling sort of deal? Like this shows up in all his movies. It's, it's, another, that, it's yet another way of, of getting an idea across without a cut. Yeah, it's it's showing because cuts are used to show relationship. It's like this, that, understand? Right. But De Palma and other people like that like to use a, you know move the camera from here to there and go look. There's the relationship without a cut. Or look, what if I you know by posing this person extreme foreground, this person extreme background, I'm telling you, I'm giving you my idea in one shot rather than a cut. Uh, the, the other thing I, I I heard was that I think my dad said I can't remember if someone said, but like thing my dad said it, but it's like you get the benefits of a POV shot without being actually POV because you feel like you're, you're in that person's head as much as you can and you're experiencing the world similar to like what, where, where they're where emotionally and mentally yeah. they are. And, and also just, you know, simple fact that based on the, you know, the technology available to you and stuff like that. Sometimes you just want someone there, someone there, you want them both in focus and you're <laughs> yeah, not going to get it yeah, it can't happen. without a, without a diopter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, By the way, if Citizen it's Kane, possible you don't know what we're talking about. It's basically a bifocal lens on the camera. Yeah. So you can see something in focus here and also something in focus there. Uh, it it develops know, that, a very deep rack yeah, on... That's, yeah. why, that's why Citizen Kane was such a big deal because of the deep focus and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. um, You can do it that way. You can blast you know, a lot of light. There may have been limitations on the film stock not being as sensitive so they couldn't... You, know, you can blast a lot of light and stop down the lens way, way tight so that you get almost infinite depth of field. Um, or you can use a diopter if that uh, you know is is infeasible. You're welcome, Raven. In the chat, he's like, "Thanks." <laughs> it also tends to be a little bit We're darker on whatever's in the foreground than whatever's back in the cross background. Backcross key, y'all. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah Paul, Paul had a uh, Laura Beth would be so proud. Oh, hi, Paul. Um, <laughs> she on the, uh, Amy Irving, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. She she was going to uh, she she came in to read for Carrie. Which I think oh, okay. she could have had the look, yeah. but I don't know if she would have. She was going to be carrying until apparently Stacy yeah. Spacey came in and they went, oh, wait, nope, yeah. we got her. Okay. 
Paul, you go. Um, so split diopters and uh, the slow 70s zoom and all the other sort oh, of yeah. uh, camera, um, camera, camera language, camera, like all the yeah. all the cinematic yeah. like effects that tend to be in movies from the yeah, late from the 60s 70s. through the 70s and then kind of chills out again for some reason. Um, do you guys feel the same way about diopter stuff as you do about like the slow seventies zoom or like the crash zoom and the the crash zoom for me? I grew up. I watch a lot of kung fu and exploitation films, <laughs> yeah. so I'm very familiar with the snap zoom and the zoom lens. And just the big thing on the zoom zoom lens, for, in case anybody asks, is that the, the innovation of the zoom lens was that you could zoom without you could zoom extraordinarily fast in a snap zoom without having a separate uh, focus puller. So you could yeah. do that super fast and you didn't have to worry about a guy cranking the lens the other direction. Because it could hold the focus. It could hold the focus. Yeah. yeah, you could hold the focus. So that's why in a lot of, like Shaft, I think is a really good example of that. Uh, Black Belt Jones, uh, which is a really bad karate. But, but I love it. But aesthetically, do you put it? You I, I mean, it, it, is, it is sort of a signature effect. of the 70s. Yeah, it's yeah. like you see that, oh, clearly we're watching a 70s movie or a movie that is consciously homaging the 70s, um, uh, Kill Bill. I mean, come on. <laughs> Like yeah, how many how many Tarantino saw, in general? As someone who didn't grow up with that kind of movie, though, so I I only saw it in the movies where it was a seventies movie, not kung fu, as yeah. part of like a sort of a genre statement. It does seem a little. I, I like it, but it is clearly it does, it's it clearly does, a high watermark line. It dates, it dates, in, it dates, it, well, it dates a movie. It well, not just that. There's a couple really huge zooms in the Princess Bride of all things. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I always and those shots always look like oh guys really. It, it always just seems. It seems cheap to me for some reason. It, it, it is. It is. You know why? Because yeah. I, I think the reason why is was the advent of camcorders. We associate. Yeah. We associate zooms home now movies. with home movies. Because that's your dad going. Oh, my son's gymnastics routine. Look at this. And yeah. then you're, you're, you're there. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But that you know the best. I think one of the better uses for it was Kubrick on Barry Lyndon because he had these amazing thick ass Zeiss lenses, these Zeiss zoom lenses yeah. that were used were originally. By candlelight. Yeah. Well, not just that, but his he is st- the thing with zoom lenses is that it immediately flattens you get extraordinarily low depth of field on it so um and he would use those zoom lenses but never zoom with them or if he did it was a very controlled on barry linden a very slow controlled zoom but he wanted it specifically he's like i want this movie to look like a painting i want things to be still and i want when people move to surprise you and to kill the depth of field like right now that's a pretty the shot we're looking at now has pretty decent depth of field you've got three stages yeah. of depth there and uh, there's no diopter going and there's on. no diopter going at all so like but he want i want everything to be flat i want this i want barry linden i want uh, in a boat and i want to look as flat as the mountain in the background and a zoom lens unzoomed will do that something that i just thought of too is that with the i can't think of any exceptions except for zooms zooms are a camera grammar device that stands apart from all other uses of the camera in modern filmmaking because all the uses of the camera this whole time since Citizen Kane to now we've been trying to get the camera out of the way from between you and the movie so you're there and a zoom is something that your eyes can't do a everything zoom, else zoom trucking or dollying or, yeah. or panning all that stuff you can do with your head but you can't zoom and right. I wonder if that just separates you it just pulls you out for a second it yeah, does it that does was, that's the same feeling that I have yeah. about the split diopter is yeah. that you're suddenly and very like egregiously reminding and that you're using watching this as yeah. a as opposed to experiencing there's yeah, a technology behind all this and a guy or a girl which is which <laughs> turning a knob which is interesting now the the 
I mean, well, now in, in especially uh, visual effects shots in the big blockbusters, we're getting back to the snap zoom yeah. to get the documentary feel, yeah. you know, of <laughs> Superman true. flying. It's yeah, like, oh, there's Superman zooming. Now we're making it look yeah, like a shot with radium zoic firefly. Thanks, firefly. Yeah. But even but even with, uh, you know, even without that. I think that was Lonnie Perister who, who set that, that sort of ball rolling. Mm-hmm. The, he, was one of the, he was one of the owners of Zoic now, and he was, I think, the soup of firefly, and he worked at radium when they were doing the first episode. We, and they were like, yeah, we could do this. And Josh was like, <laughs> yeah, I like seventies movies. That's awesome. Yeah. Plus, it's a great way to hide bad CG. But now, not that, that was bad. I'm just saying. Now, a lot of times, you know, when when you're doing a, a big composite in something like Battleship or or Star Trek or anything like that, you're getting you're you know you're seeing smuts on the lens, little it, subtle yeah. zooms little, over the like little one percent zooms just yeah. to make it feel you're, like something. You're seeing there's they're 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 blooming out like there's dust on the lens, right? So there's like yeah. little unmotivated bokeh going on because just the, the there's a, the lens yeah. isn't perfectly little clean. touches of chromatic aberration and uh you know uh alfonso cuaron who's my favorite filmmaker but he has the thing about splashing the lens yeah with stuff you know <laughs> yeah um but he's not i mean he's not the only one though and and um he he does it all the time yeah. <laughs> now, what's interesting in every movie, what's really yeah. interesting is a distinction because i was just asking myself a question where zooms and for me a lesser extent but i guess equally diopters take you out of the experience you would think that would be doubly the case with a trombone shot, with a push pull, with the vertigo shot, where it's a zoom while you're pulling or pushing. And that doesn't take me out as much. And I think that's because that does not separate you from the like visceral aesthetic experience of watching a thing like you're there. I think that takes you straight into this incredible... Yeah. It's, a, it's a direct line that's into unease. That's promoting an emotional yeah, response. That, that is it's, a visceral thing. It's you, like Paul said, it's like, it's not... Like, things being in focus, out of focus or whatever, it's like, you know, cameras don't do it the way we do it literally but it evokes the experience of how we see and perceive the world and even a even a trombone shot if you've had like a moment of extreme adrenaline rush what it, an it, evil blowjob sorry it just feels yeah. it feels like that it's like tunnel vision it's like you're super like focused the whole world kind of goes you know and <laughs> because you're reacting to something that's but you were speaking about her magical blowjob where she can still talk can speak which, i know i was just gonna I say was, which i was i'm curious about that well that that, whole, that scared me almost as much that whole scene like, they whole, can do that she has she has her own powers yeah um, she, she has telepathy well here's the thing there's, there's a couple things about that scene that we, we were talking about movies and cameras and stuff like that like we do but uh, that scene first of all it it's like it's like the it makes me think of the uh the java scene inserted into the new hope because it's like wait we just had the same information twice yeah um and it's like, in terms of chronological order, when they shot this movie, Travolta wasn't a thing. But by the time this movie came out, I think Welcome Back, Cotter was on the air. Yeah. So he was a thing now. And I just feel like that scene was just like, it's way too long and it's repetitive as hell. And it tells the same information like five times. Yeah. I think it was just there just to get more Travolta in the movie. I think that's why it's... <laughs> it, it feels noted, bon, yeah. Bon, it feels bon. noted, And yeah. the other thing about it is, I think I'm wondering if her still talking... It, to me, it feels like a ratings board thing to prove she's not giving him a blowjob. Uh, oh, interesting. interesting. That's, that's what it Well, What the hell she's supposed to be doing? Right. I don't know. An amazing performance <laughs> massage. Yeah, like, she's, she's, she's polishing his belt buckle. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and he yeah, can't believe it. This is just surmi- <laughs> I'm just surmising this. You know, this is, I'm just thinking, like, because this movie was probably right on the brink with the ratings board. You right. know, with oh, the no stuff shit. going on. Like, no shit, yeah. This is like right on the X uh, borderline, pretty, pretty, pretty likely. So, and this is post Midnight Cowboy, correct? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. No, I think it's like a year or two prior no, to Midnight no, Cowboy. Cowboy was early 70s. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. 70, yeah, so it was definitely post Midnight Cowboy. What's funny is, though, obviously this is, when you when you want to see the headliner 
Sissy Spacek performance, you watch Carrie. I actually really love her in the movie Blast from the Past. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Where <laughs> she is <laughs> married to Christopher when Walken. She, when she moved on to playing moms. Yeah, and she plays like this adorable, like functioning alcoholic sweetheart mom. Valley Girl, who is hilarious. I, I, I need to go back and watch that because it might be one of those things where I just saw it a lot growing up and have been uncritical this about it. But I love Blast from the she Past. Comedy, oh, dude, Hot Rod. She should. Hot yeah. Rod, she's so yeah. fucking funny in. Like, and I, it's an understated role. It's a small role, but she just kills it. She's got this earnestness to her that's just hilarious every time she's on screen. Midnight Cowboy was way before this. 69, he says. Okay. Yeah, Thanks, sure, Arben. Yeah. Thanks, Arben. Yeah. Computer. Also, Betty. Also, Betty Buckley. Um, just talking about an interesting career. Is you know, she went on to be the original Grizabella in Cats on Broadway. <laughs> Memory all alone. That's that's yeah. Betty Buckley. <laughs> when you think of, when you think of that song, that's who sang it. That's that's Betty Buckley right there. This is a phenomenal scene yeah. right here. Speaking of Betty Buckley, just that the whole thing she does the with oh you can clean yourself up and the and just that the little twist of it at the end. Yeah, where she's it's such she, a knife. Yeah, she just kind of breaks down. She's, you know, the illusion breaks. She's like, yeah. oh god, I'm so, I'm so lying. That will, <laughs> this will never work. You could, you really, you like, have. I have to say this shit because I'm a teacher. Yeah, girl. it'd be a stretch to try to make a, a movie or it a story. It gets better. Yeah, to make a story about yeah, just this I'll, little two oh, seconds of her. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it'd be a stretch to do a story along these same lines with a with a male protagonist because it occurs to me that. The male puberty experience has far less what could be body horror. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from like, I can't control my voice sometimes and my face is breaking out. It's way less really substantial changes to your daily life. Well, it's, it's changes in your attitude. because frightening. You, well, have, you have to, you, yeah, I mean, the, the fly works because it's a debilitating disease sort of movie. That's body horror. That's great. But for the actual just experience of if you do nothing at all, you will still experience this stuff. Guys don't really go through anything like this. Well, the werewolf, the werewolf thing, it's not just it's not just puberty and my body changes. It's also like I suddenly crave a very specific thing right. and I must have that thing. I can't and control I, myself anymore. And my satiation, I won't be satiated until I get it. You know, that's very much, uh, there's, a, there's a TV on the radio song called Wolf Like Me and it draws like the best, you know, wanting a girl and becoming a fucking werewolf. Like that, that song <laughs> really like weaves in and out of that metaphor really perfectly. And the video for it is is funny, but it kind of accomplishes the same thing. Thanks, Xtroid in the chat. He's like, De Palma has banged not only Nancy Allen, but Margot Kidder as well. Yep. <laughs> so he's and all Ga- in. And Gail Ann Hurd. He's all sorts. Oh, and, no and Gail Ann Hurd. He's married to Gail Ann Hurd. That's one of his yeah. wives. A good variety of just so Gail and her Gail and her Jim Cameron and Brian De Palma. She's working her way through the. the you know, list. if there's an argument, if there's an argument for Amy Irving married Steven Spielberg, this is a whole bunch of director. If there's, if there's any argument for some sort of cinematic <laughs> Illuminati, like it's probably yeah. just all the all they're the trying dude. to breed. I, I, I guess, yeah, knows, I guarantee you, know. you, there's like goat's blood and it's eyes wide shut. Yeah, exactly. There's probably a copper bowl. We're already seeing the Max Landis is the first result. Oh Jesus! And and Ivan Reitman, so Jason Reitman, so. You know, of that whole Jason Reitman, yeah. The whole Hollywood. They're both very talented. (laughs) Opposite sides of the coin there. You might get Jason Reitman, you might get Max Landis. I was looking at Max's Twitter the other day and his background picture, I love it. I thought it was so funny, is uh, you don't make five hundred million friends without or you don't make five hundred million enemies without making a few friends. Well, (laughs) add me add me to them because he and I got into it on Twitter uh, last week. Oh yeah. I like Max. <laughs> I, I, I like Max. Too. I like Max too. It's just I, I don't want to get too public with this, no. but basically, I I had been hearing stories about Max from friends of mine. On well, no, no but no, <laughs> but about what I'm about. To, like, I specifically have been hearing things about Max from people dating back to 2007, and uh, about people having some really bad issues. The thing is, I love 
I agree so much with things he says. I love Chronicle. I, I as an artist, I absolutely almost adore him. But like, but just I've I've ah, it's it's a little, it's a little weird. I've heard too many stories from people I really respect. So <laughs> my only experience with Max Landis was when he was like seven. So that doesn't <laughs> uh, really count. yeah. He was a dick then though. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of seven year olds aren't <laughs> exactly. So we were hoping he'd grow out of it. So let's talk about this hair. This hair, man. <laughs> Even at the time, was like seriously. That's that's what's happening with this hair. But this was the this is William Cat's thing. I mean, this was his uh-huh. in in Greatest American Hero. He had this hair, and how you know, I guess House he didn't have this hair, did he? No, no. He, he finally he finally grew no. up and got I would have hair. remembered him yeah. in House if. But this if, was but this was the he thing. wanted to be a lead singer so bad. Yeah, he totally had that. You know. <laughs> Don't hey, stop hey, mama. believe it. Poor someone, uh, someone in She's chat, like, "Oh my God, we're yeah, all oh gonna God. die." Someone this is in, so bad. <laughs> someone in chat brought up Sourice Ronan. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think a modern Carrie. I think Sourice Ronan is a modern Carrie. Sersha, is that how you pronounce her name? Sersha. Sersha Ronan. Oh, cool. Sersha Ronan. It's kind of like Sochi, how it's spelled with an X. S A O I R S E is Sochi. That you can pronounce that any way you want. Sersha. Sochi is a different word. They're not even trying to have a name. Yeah. He has like the last name Nguyen. It's like everybody pronounces that differently. Yeah, they all spell. Yeah, they all spell it the same, and they all pronounce it differently. I, I looked it up at one point, uh, and I the 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 most common one. There are like four different pronunciations people use. The most common one, I think, in the world, not here, is ng. Mm-hmm. It just ends like it's just a really short one syllable thing. I, I I've heard Nguyen, Nguyen, Nguyen. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Tequila's real last name is Nguyen. Of course, she has to have the same last name as every other. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I am McLovin. <laughs> Bill, Billy's Billy's uh, William Cat's character is Billy, is it? Oh no, he's Tommy. Billy's he's Tommy. Uh, Billy's uh, Billy's John, John Travolta. John Travolta. So it's Tommy, a mistake. Tommy's a little even in the. And again, maybe it's, you know you've read the book and it's been a long time. Even in the book, I recall not being like. But wait, Tommy, seriously, what are you doing? You know, it's like okay, your girlfriend asked you to take this crazy biatch to the to the prom instead of her, her and you said okay. And William Cat the whole time is just kind of like, all right, you know. And then at the end, it's like he's sort of falling for Carrie and all that. You know, you sort of see that. But in, still, it's in, kind of like, what? what in, in the real world, would that scenario really happen that easily? Not really. You know, would would a would a girl go, look, I want you to take the crazy girl to the prom instead of me. Um, but again, because in the book, I remember that, again, that's why it was more important that Sue Snell be so driven by the guilt of what she yeah. did to Carrie. That she was like, I really, really, really have to atone for this. So yeah. I'm going to take the thing that I want most and I want Carrie to have it instead. Just for that one night. You know, not, like, not like I want her to, to take my boyfriend, yeah. but I want her to have the prom experience and, and be popular. And, and What a there, fucking horrible thing there, to make your boyfriend. There is the yeah. aspect of, of uh, Tommy sort of falling for Carrie, but more just... Sympathizing. Well, just seeing her as like realizing that she is beautiful yeah. and that he he has a, a a love for her that you're supposed to have for fellow human beings. Yeah, that, that you can appreciate her is just like okay, she's a person and yeah. she's okay. Um, and yeah. that he comes to that realization just before yeah. he, he dies. And, but and the and the but again, the movie it's like William Cat's a little too just just too nice of a guy just all the time. Yeah. That I I just I kind of miss the wait why am I doing this you right know, There's what? a disconnect when, when you make him that cool yeah. then there's a disconnect between like, his yeah, acts okay. and his personality yeah, It's kind of like if Susan L went to him I want you she could have said I want you to kill a pig Yeah all right Yeah do it. yeah totally all right, why not? Yeah. Sure No I'll do it Is there a reason or all right I'll just all right I just fucking hate pigs no. Yeah really. Is that okay Can't a guy hate pigs <laughs> Pimples are the Lord's way of chastising you 
I, I've read the Bible several times. I yeah. I don't remember Where's that, that part. Oh, he'll yeah. chastise the shit out of you. Yeah. Just pimples don't show up that often. Right. Yeah, that's right. So Oxy is the devil. I like. I don't. Yeah. Well, puberty. You know. Uh, well, <laughs> well. I think no, hide your pimples. I think. Like, I think yeah. her main thing. Hide your pimples. Is, like, hide your wife. It, it's vanity. It's like if you yeah. if you yeah. if you have this of vanity of trying to avoid pimples or whatever. You know. It's, it's but dumb. so much of the Old Testament. God's way of making you humble. Before but you so get much to be of the Old Testament is a hygiene guide for desert people. Yeah. So much of the Old Testament is like, okay, you want to wash this part of yourself before you keep that clean. I love this bit. I love the that that the flinging the tea in her face puts out the candles yeah. and changes, and the, changes lighting the lighting and changes and also the situation. They, they lit it perfectly to make sure that the, the tea or whatever just caught the reflection. Yeah. And, it's like, and, and suddenly it's blue light. It's like, it's, it's, it could be the blood. It, it has an echo of right, the yeah. blood look. Do they ever put the... I, I read the book a long ass time ago and I remember virtually nothing from it. Do they ever put... they ever tie the bow that uh, Carrie's mom was pregnant teen? Was what? Was a pregnant teen. So, well, sort of. Yeah, uh, it was, it was well, a rape thing, wasn't it? Or it, wasn't was it? A, it wasn't a rape. What it was? Well, it's in the movie. It's like, a whole no, different it's thing. not. It, she, what she explains in the movie is is essentially what happened. It's they it's both her and her husband were these crazy evangelicals Teenage. like oh, okay. this. And and they both believed that they could live a life of sinlessness and blah blah blah. Yeah. And then he got horny one night, and she was horny <laughs> he got too. Drunk and horny, and, it and happened. they had sex. And she has spent the rest of her life regretting that, and she sees Carrie as, as a product as of, a product of yeah. sin. Um, and the only way she, mom, can ever even kind of atone is to make sure that she does not proliferate that behavior in the yeah, world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And what does she do for a living? Like, is she a... Yeah, it's like, it, it, other she than, sells stuff, doesn't she? Other than going, going door, door to door, door, shilling for her... Avon her, calling. ...for the religion. Um, it doesn't really say. Yeah, she I don't remember. She collects fine minerals. I don't, I don't yes. know if it was uh, clarified in the, in the book either. Sissy Spacek is pretty. Yeah. I, I like the way she, and it's weird because it's it's just this through line between her and Olivia Wilde who are both kind of similar looking. I'm just really into super angular faces, I guess. <laughs> but she's an odd looking girl, I agree. But I think she's really, there's several shots in this movie where I'm like, damn, she's really good looking. Really, really weird looking, but really cool. <laughs> I think I've said it before, but Chad's theory is the most beautiful among us are like half alien. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's they've done studies and they say that Angelina Jolie's lips are not human lips. No, they say. I mean, the, the studies of the studies I've read at least say that um, on the aggregate, uh, children of inter, inter, interracial um, couplings are on average more intelligent and more attractive. Yeah. So clearly, the, our genes are trying to tell us something. <laughs> well, hybrid figure. At the very least, it it uh, from a from a. From an aesthetic standpoint, it's you know the, yeah. the genes are kind of balancing yeah. each other out, trying to. Totally. Trying to <laughs> my my nephews are uh, Chinese, Italian, and English, and they're pretty handsome oh, dudes. Yeah. Here we go. It's, it's zooming. <laughs> oh, zoom. zoom, zoom. What, did, Paul? When you see this, what do you couldn't think? Get like, the crane, like, do you, I mean, kind of, you asked the question earlier, but where does this put you? Like seeing camera moves like that, what does it do for you? Uh, those sorts of zooms don't bother me. Those that's, the nice slow kind of push. Yeah, that one, yeah. That one was that one was fine too. I wasn't bugged by that one. It snaps. If it's something like, or like yeah, if it's a lock off shot and then there's and it's just locked off for a while and then it zooms. Um, so there was a zoom and a travel up the ladder or the rope there. And yeah, but even like even stuff like lens flares, it's just completely calling to attention. Like this is this a is film. Oh, some glass. Yeah, but there's a logic to uh, flares and stuff that you don't get with that um that excuses them or that. Right. Uh, well, there's a there's just an element, I guess, of, you know, accepting that it, especially nowadays in our very visual effects heavy world, um, there's the idea of everyone just accepts that we're using cameras, 
and they under they they accept the artifacts of cameras, and so it's a matter of integrating visual effects with those artifacts as opposed to trying to pretend the camera doesn't exist at all. Yeah, so you can do little like you were saying, like with fogging and having yeah. like lens or dust in the elements of the mm-hmm. lens, and but the thing like the starting with French New Wave stuff and then settling yeah. once independent film died in the late. 70s. Late 70s. I was like, oh, we're tired of this. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, everybody stopped kind of experimenting well, just like, like that for a while, and it ended up being something like if you wanted to do a deep, long lens shot, you would have the budget to be able to blast the thing with light and be able to get yeah. both people where they wanted to be. So you had a circle of confusion that went that covered the 20 feet between the first subject and the second one. We talked about the uh, about about sort of a lot of time on the uh, the camera stuff. The other end of this, and specifically what De Palma kind of did here, was um, editorially. And we're we're about to get into the section that gets real funky editorially. Um, oh, yeah, and uh, shopping for the tux. Yeah, <laughs> shopping for the tux, and ultimately the prom. Talk about, yeah. about you know yeah. being aware of the filmmaker. That's yeah, like and that's too. and that's the thing is like editing can get you extraordinarily aggressive with being aware that oh we're in a thing. Montages kind of work because. I always, I always feel like you know when you're watching a scene like that, you're watching it in real time. Like this is happening, as it's happening. Montage always kind of seems like a memory. Like that's how we mm-hmm. sort of romanticize moments where it's a lot of repetitive action, but we remember the fun details of it. Um, and so that's why montages are, are kind of tricky things to do because you never want to, you don't want it to like interrupt. You, you want it to kind of like make sense in the context of what you're doing. The shopping for me didn't make sense in the context of what we're doing. Uh, and it, and like uh, Mike and Paul said, it just it definitely kind of pulls you out of it when you get into, you know, the prom and that's when the movie, the character and therefore the editing just completely lose their mind and go batch it. Um, I like multi boxes. I use them a lot on my own, but there is definitely a time and a place. I think they do tend to work better for documentary than they do for for narratives. Multi boxes? Like split screens. We have uh, two, three things up uh, on yeah. um, By the way, uh De Palma, the Hitchcock fan, this is the Bates High School. Yeah. Wah, wah. Oh yeah. But it's a it's a matter of aesthetic consistency, I think, and I think the language for that changed over the course of this probably just over the course of the seventies. Well, there's, the there's, well, the seventies also, or the French, certainly the French New Wave. There's, there's two schools of thought. One is the filmmaker is like, I'm presenting you a story, and the other school of thought is, look at me presenting you this story. Right. There's, there's, there's a you know, right. So if, I think the, if you're the, not afraid of being making the audience aware that no, I'm a guy, you can't see me, right. but I'm telling you a story. But the mix of it's I'm the mix you. of that. It's the yeah. it's the fact that this only does that sometimes that I think. Yeah bothers me because you take something like scott pilgrim which is just that times a hundred exactly. yeah. Pilgrim is that from t- from one end to the other yeah and there's no moment where you're suddenly like supposed to be like no this is more of a story that is happening through this lens than I, happening I by believe, the lens i can't believe that tux was ever okay <laughs> I can't, but, yeah. I, I, when i think of tuxes that's what i think of right. <laughs> right. because when i when i had to go to a wedding like like eight years ago and get a tux i was like wow i'm finally gonna wear those Blue ruffles, and and only Mexicans' weddings have those now. Um, <laughs> Quinceañeras. Yeah. So yeah. So. Uh, but yeah. you were so bummed when it was a Mexican wedding like, you had to I go was to. Like, oh, I don't have to. I can just wear like a plane. That's a thing now. Oh, good. I, like I think that. of like tux. Like I think like, but they wear in Titanic as tuxes. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I which I would. Yeah. The I classic. Get, the tails. The, the tails. Tail I wore tails. I wore tails. I, my I so wedding. tried to get a tailcoat. It's like yeah. I would if I have to wear a tux. I want to. I want a tailcoat. I, I I made a tailcoat just so I got to have one to wear at a party once. Yeah. No, I I, I wore. I was. That's uh, how sad I am. I was in my brother's wedding in '92, and me and my brother, my other brother, both wore uh, a tux with tails, and uh, and his tux was a little. It was the early '90s version of of sort of those blue ruffles, but he had a very thing for my wedding. I just wore a plain white tux, like. 
just everything was white and it just Ooh. it just looked like a suit you know it's just it's not it didn't it just looked like a fancy suit with with uh cufflinks it know? looked cool it, it's a good photo so yeah. it's, I think it's on our on the friends of your head. I have to say that page. it's it's kind of yeah, hard. If you go to the about one of those pictures of Eddie is uh, that suit. There you, you know go. Yeah. That, I, that, another picture. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard to believe that with this upbringing that Carrie is this not crazy. Yeah, you know, it's like how do you live? She must have such a thick skin. Yeah. to survive. Or at day least day. less demonstrably crazy. I mean, than this, you'd is, expect. this is like being raised by Jamie Gum. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what's the, the, the what's the difference between this, this woman and freaking Jamie Gum? Can well, I, Carrie had to live it? in the real world this whole time. She was actually going to going the public to yeah now. going to public public school, y'all. Like there's yeah, a benefit thank for God. But, but she's so put upon there too. The fact that she's got any optimism in her at yeah. all is, fa- is, is a miracle. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which uh, just uh, makes it all the more crushing when you yeah. know. No, no, your dreams were all bullshit. Yeah. No one likes you. That that zoom on the corsage was really great. Yeah. By the way, I, I we were talking. I mean, we've been talking about zooms the whole time, but that was a really great use of it. It's focusing our attention in on the. First of all, there's the tension. You can't see what her mom is thinking. She's just like, look what Tommy gave me. And you're like, she, oh she, god, she's gonna, gonna shoot her. She's she, gonna kill her. Yeah. And then it zooms in on the corsage, and she says, I can see your dirty pillows. I can see your breasts. And the yeah. the camera just goes, oh, we're talking about this <laughs> oh. now, I guess. You, you missed the point here, Mom. Yeah. But okay, and and that so was a really good job of kind of following the focus and and keeping the tension of the the scene. We have this moment twice, which is a yeah. little strange. Yeah, I, I'm this could be trimmed. I'm going back to Paul's yeah. question now. I'm wondering what bullied kids are supposed to take away. I'm wondering what any non-intended audience. By which I mean any any person who this is not a story that's representative of them. You watch it as entertainment, but it's not a story that really connects with you personally. Anyone for whom this movie connects personally, either bullied kids or kids with uh, really really hardline uh, parents or whatever, I wonder what they're supposed to take away from it. I don't think it's meant for bullied. Yeah, kids. I, I don't think, think it's meant for yeah. kids who yeah, bully. See, there is a there is a way of making movies where you don't give a fuck what someone takes away from yeah. it. <laughs> you just yeah. you just want them to listen to your story and then go home. Oh, the seventies. And if they and if they have to, <laughs> yeah. you know, if they have trouble processing it, well, you know, that's on them. That's your problem. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this there's again, an this, aspect of especially in horror where you're like, okay, so this fucked up thing happened, yeah. and it was just fucked. Up Scary, end. right? See yeah. ya. Thanks very much. <laughs> In the chat, Spork's like, I brought leftover food home from prom. There you go. See? <laughs> I had prom plus. Scarred for life. Right I had there. prom plus, which was a ton of fun, which was basically it was a way to keep kids from driving drunk and getting into stupid shit after prom. It's you bought tickets for it, and then immediately afterwards you like went, a limo. No, you went. You, well, you went after prom. After the dance ended, you went to this area, and it was locked off, and you couldn't leave until five in the morning. And there were fucking games, and like there were, uh, it, it was like a casino night. Plus, there was like a sumo pit. I sumo wrestled half the night. If you wanted to take a nap, if there someone was, like, had started to Fire, it would have been carry. This prom yeah. plus. It was after. It was they after locked the doors oh, from okay. the outside, man. That's what. That's bad things. Yeah, right. Yeah, the doors are locked from the outside. I went, I went uh, to like six proms. I was all over proms. No, I. I um, but yeah, no. It was. It was a ton of fun. It was. It was great. There's a lot. Of, a lot of my friends were there. It was all good. And then after that, we came back to my place and we're like, yeah, we're gonna jump in the hot tub at like seven in the morning. We're all asleep. Like, we're just, <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Like, don't yeah. drown. In the yeah. chat, Trevor Leahy's like, my school. We had to keep six inches between you and your date, so you had to leave. You had to leave room for God. They did that. <laughs> you know what? That's. Horrifying. I would just. I would just. Start, I would just hug your date. And we're like, where's your God now? Yeah. So when no, did they at, start at, letting at, dancing happen in your town? At my. At my. Yeah. Uh, wow. I went to. I went to. A, a Catholic high school as well, and they would do it. It wasn't six inches, but you do if 
if they caught you, you know, if the chaperones caught you dancing to, it was half. I mean, it was it was half joking, but it was half like this is a Catholic school. Come on, don't. <laughs> no. um, but <laughs> but they would they would come by and this say is a Catholic school. Someone will get pregnant. You went to Catholic school? They would yeah. They would nice, come by right. and their their signal. Will, oh man, that don't well, elementary, but, not high school. Yeah. Uh, they would they would come by and tell you to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Yeah, I was in third grade for Catholic right, school. That has to be like what a perv. Like, <laughs> yeah, here, here's hang on, like the Holy Spirit's like floating around going, Let me just get in there. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Here's here's my mind in a way. Old dirty dancing Holy, with the Lord. Holy Spirit sandwich. Woo! <laughs> 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 do the, the dip logic of that? <laughs> no uh here's my catholic school story i went to catholic school for third grade and then we moved uh and i didn't have to go because i really went in san pedro and the only school that didn't involve shootings or stabbings was the catholic school so you so. you bookended your catholic school experience with public normal school oh my experience. god yeah what was, what was the biggest difference you noticed going to catholic school fucking uniforms I hated that was, shit. was that really i grew up for with, me i grew up with uniforms so it was it was yeah i just it was for me i it was, didn't mind well, it was i liked for, it i didn't have to think well, about what i, I was gonna wear in high school i, I was i would have totally done it. In high school, I was in ROTC, so once a week I wore my my Air Force uniform, uh. so that was fine. I didn't give a shit about that. And yeah, I got teased, but big fucking deal. Uh, you're gonna get teased anyway, regardless. So just might as well make it something objective that you. Why can don't you wear. just blow up the prom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> came close. Might as well. No, um, no, but like, uh, but yeah, the biggest difference I was, was like, okay, we actually have to pray in school, and there was mass, and there was confession, and there was all this stuff. And hey, you know, once uh, once a month for mass, got to eat crackers. That was nice. Uh, and then um, <laughs> that's the highlight. That was just that was just my viewpoint in high school. Hey, I could eat crackers and grape juice once a month. That's not the worst thing. Hey, it's probably. Um, but I was terrified. I was terrified of confession. I'd never because I'm I'm not Catholic. Right. We we and I was not Catholic then. But we went and they're like, okay, we're gonna have confession today. And a year prior, I had flipped off my brother, and my brother had held that over my head <laughs> to get me to do things. Otherwise, he would tell mom that he did that. And being being the scared piece of shit that I was, I was terrified he would. So I'm afraid that like the priest had some sort of divining power to get the the sin out of me and I was just terrified that like <laughs> confession was going to be this awful thing and I was sweating bullets and we get in there and we just prayed and I'm like oh that was fucking nothing like that was yeah. sweet I'm going to flip so. off my brother all the time yeah, yeah exactly Catholicism God, is easy God don't care Catholicism is, is so much you know it's obviously a, a my better, wife's Catholic it's so a I'm whole saying. better plan you know yeah. than, than the evangelical like you are sin you are damned it's like no here's, we can cut a deal we yeah. can totally cut a deal whatever <laughs> yeah. you did we can cut a deal the whole third yeah. act of this movie is the prom yep yeah yeah. well actually it's surprising how much time after the prom there is her going home is about there's about 15 minutes yeah. of that you know that whole final conversation with the mom is much longer than the prom actually when I was watching it for the first time on Tuesday Wednesday whenever mm-hmm. that was um, as she was walking back towards her house, I was like, "Stop right here! Just be done. Just this. This should be the please, please. Uh, oh, okay, cool. We'll do this other thing too. And all right, great. You got a bunch of fun symbolism and more story in there. But just if the last shot of the film was just her walking <laughs> just up her to walking and like, into her house, and yeah, then it's just, over. Just, just yeah, that, that actually would be that actually would have been a really interesting way to end it. Just mom, like mom." You were right. <laughs> Mike, what is at me. in terms thinking now of in terms of unexplained kind of horrifying phenomena? What is the relationship between Stephen King and like Lovecraft? Oh, well, I, Stephen King loves Lovecraft. He's, yeah. he's yeah. a big fan. Um, there's definitely a, a, a pretty much everyone who wrote horror after Lovecraft was influenced by, by that whole idea. Yeah. Um, that's what horror became. You know, similar similar to the way after Blade Runner. All sci-fi was that. Yeah. A future sci-fi after Lovecraft, all horror has essentially been influenced in some way by that. Not necessarily straight up, you know, cosmic gods and, and monsters and stuff like that. But the the idea of dread and the idea of things that you can't explain and how, like yeah. we were talking things about you can't before. handle. 
Things you can't deal with. <laughs> right around, things you can't deal. Right yeah. around Lovecraft, where it was kind of the high point of knowing how much we didn't know about uh-huh. the universe. Yeah. And that that's true. Kinda, yeah. That's true. Yeah, space the, was you, unexplored you sort of that mystery. Idea together that yeah. the vastness of space... There, there could be what the, we would basically perceive as gods that are actually monsters at the same time who yeah. don't care if we live or die. And, and we're and, just an infant. Exactly. We were just beginning to grasp how small we were, but we really we didn't know exactly what was out yeah. there. Yeah. But again, I, feel, I feel like the deep ocean is sort of the next. Yeah, it's still un, because there's crazy shit that will come out of the deep ocean periodically yeah. that looks yeah. like tyrannosaurs. And, you know? and they just, the you know, bloop, there's the bloop. Uh, the, uh, but but and Guillermo del Toro, huge Lovecraft fan. Yes, yeah, so specific rim, went, yeah. you know? no, There you go. So, yeah. so basically, you know that uh, the, the, but so the that's gateway like, is that that's like an interdimensional rift. That's like okay, so from from another yeah, yeah, dimension. Yeah. I'm talking about like the legit abyss. bottom of the yeah, yeah. The abyss was the first one that really yeah. kind of got me. They but, keep uh, doing they keep doing those damn shark movies about down there the big sharks are exactly. But that's true that they they yeah. actually could be down there. But the I think again the thing about Stephen King though that yes obviously there's a Lovecraft influence and all the other but I think the it comes back to, to what I said at the beginning, that King isn't just about, here's a fantastic, horrifying scenario. It's always framed in a very mundane kind yeah. of world. Regular and he brought horror scenarios. into that world, yeah. which is, you know, Lovecraft as well. But as far as what drives King's stories, it's it's those people and those characters in the mundane world is really what's driving the story. And the supernatural element is just the, the thing yeah. that, that ignites the, the story. Like, uh, yeah, he's, he's more interested in small town politics and the yeah. and yeah. the the kind of psycho game that goes on between people and he just uses the supernatural as the hammer to break right, yeah. the, and the I think cover. Lovecraft was much more about like crimes like oh yeah someone's dead I've yeah. got to go find out why and then it unravels as like this big cult a lot of cults yeah. a lot of conspiracies yeah. and just you know but it's it's you know king is is a constant refrain with King is about how, you know, really the, the true evil is inside of all of us, yeah. you know, and, and, and Lovecraft is more like, no, the true evil is there with the yeah. tentacles. It's look at that goddamn thing. That's that's some evil shit or, right there. Or worse yet, it's not that it's evil. It's just that it does not give a damn. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, the threat, the danger yeah. that, you know, but King is almost always like, I think this is one big shot. It is. It's, I think it's ongoing. On. And of course, yeah. you can. it's it's oh. very it's very like, look at me directing yeah. and, it, and it works. But it, it, to the end, it gets to the point where it, it even it completely breaks yeah. or even the actors are going. Okay, come on already! Yeah. But they kept. You only, only laugh happily for so long. Yeah, they kept going with it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's exactly what it looks like. They're it on, is a really sweet. They're on a turntable though. while they're being dollied around in the opposite direction, and and everything just keeps speeding up until the point where at the end you can see they're just barely hanging on. Like Jesus, yeah. there's they start. They, it works because yeah. they're laughing at how ridiculous it yeah. is, but then they're getting it, it Brian, for the character. It's <laughs> I'm going to puke. I'm going to hurl, Brian. No, it's it's, yeah, a legit, it's, it's a, a legit sweet it's a legit sweet moment and like yeah. I think it's actually I give I give William Cat a lot of credit here. It's kind of it's a tough a tough couple of layers to pull off acting wise to you know yeah. to, to show that yeah. like he's playing the part, but it's you know, he's legit enjoying being with this girl, you know. And Spacek is just nailing it. Mm-hmm. She's just amazing in this too. And it's also, you know, it's it's as an actress, one of those things it's like it's like you, you don't need you can kind of tell, like, when am I on camera? I don't want to, like, do my good reaction when the camera's no. not even getting that little glimpse of my face. Watch so Nathan that. Fillion go by, like, once every half rotation. Yeah. <laughs> hey! But I, but I, Michael Caine's in there somewhere. I do like that, you know, we're, we're getting in there, and at, at the same time, you know, they're, 
they're going at a very natural pace. So sometimes their lines are with their back to camera just because no. <laughs> that, that's no. that's when it happened. You know. Oh my god, this is like the thing in Titanic, just like yeah. spinning around. Yeah, oh, wait we're only at half speed. Yeah, here we go. I, I, and I think I think stylistically the idea is they're getting swept away in the moment. That's yeah. kind of how it's supposed. It's very to, much you know. It's it's, it's it's the it's it's playing the metaphor as literal as possible visually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the fact that the stage you know you literally don't even see any other people. I mean I I don't think there was another human in the in the room at the time when they shot no. this um, because it's here we go. It's That's... about them. See they're like whoa. <laughs> they just start vomiting. Projectile vomiting. Like just two seconds after they cut, they just go flying off. But it does add a nice touch to it because when they are legitimately like happy in this moment, yeah. like yeah. weirded out, funny, weird moment thing happening, happy. But it reads as just happy. Also, yeah, physically, yeah. It, it like the speed they're going kind of forces them to like grip tighter <laughs> to each other. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm sorry. Like that's it needs to be like a stripper pole or something. It's, it's down a there. legit. It's a legit. Even standing up. Maybe Watch it's that movie in 3D. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's an unintended byproduct, but it, it works to carry the metaphor a bit more. Yeah. Um, here, kids, let me explain the metaphor. <laughs> yeah. It's See, her, her leg was caught in the lines from the parachute. <laughs> oh, that's but but wait, but why did he let, if he let go, he would have been flung off. Charles Nelson Riley. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it does look like Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> I saw a weird. Is that owl. A, um, credit, um, that looked like a. Never mind. I saw Charles Nelson. I saw no, I didn't see Charles Nelson Riley. I saw um. I saw a Weird Al play live, and the live stage show version of his song Charles Nelson Riley is pretty spectacular. Um. Got the actual keyboardist from the Doors to do that part. Nice. The the, uh, or, the, the organ riff, yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think way, on Char- one of his original uh, <laughs> organs too. Charles Nelson Riley, just to just to go seven levels of sub reference. Um, it was on Netflix. It should still be. I hope. Um, he does. He did a one man show. He, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he he did a one man show just about his life, and he just had a fascinating life. I mean, for example, he was yeah. in the 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 famous Hartford Circus fire. Yeah, you know the Ringling Brothers fire that hundreds of people died, yep. and he was there that day. Um, and so it's just he tells that story, but he has all these weird stories about you know, and, you know, being Burt Reynolds' friends and being in all of Burt Reynolds' movies and so on. It's just a very funny, you know, and, and never really quite saying it, but you know, also by the way, being gay and you know, growing up in yeah. that era, it's a really fun little one man show that he performs about his own life. That's actually very charming. Check it out. Anyway, so Charles Austin Riley otherwise has nothing to do with this movie other than he looks like that guy. In the chat, Doc is like, I wonder how Sue would have felt about her boyfriend making out with Carrie. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I don't remember. He's so good. He's playing 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 the the long con. I don't remember how the book dealt with that. Did it get into that where it's like, wait, he's not supposed to fall for her? He didn't, well, I don't think it went that far. I don't remember him (laughs) kissing her. But um, what's interesting in in the movie is that every time they talk, every every time. Oh, she's so adorable. yeah, Yeah. Every time Sue and Tommy talked about this, it would cut away almost immediately as soon right. as we as soon as we got the indication that this was the conversation they were having. And now Sue is like, "What time is it? Oh, it's time for prom. I gotta go." So you can, if you haven't read the book, you can almost think that there is something nefarious going on. There's right. some. Yeah. She's on some. In, and the in, teacher even says, "What are you up to? What's yeah. this about?" And uh, but uh, ultimately, she's not in in the book. She never even goes to the prom. She's just like, okay, the prom is happening. I'm not going. Right. I'm just going to be at home. Yeah. You know, uh, which is why she survives. Doing in the macrame. Book. And yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. Um, in in this, ultimately, this is a better. This is a better way to go. This yeah. is like you know, that's a good change. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, it's an improvement on the on the the tome. And she, but but she ultimately also survives because, like, but she survives because she's pretty much the only one who deserves to yeah. Yeah. you know she's trying to do good for <laughs> she's the final girl yeah aside from aside from uh, uh tommy who just unfortunately gets yeah. killed by the bucket um but yeah carrie carrie is not 
blameless in this movie. Yeah. She's no. not, you know, the innocent one. She she starts that way, but then, you know. She makes choices. And I guess that's what yeah. I'm saying is that that's why th- this movie is kind of an advertisement. But it's, it's, it's telling bully kids, like, revenge won't end well either. Even yeah. if you were yeah. capable of slamming bitches against walls, like, you, you shouldn't. Like, there's, I mean, it only ends a certain way. It only escalates and, you know, towards us because a lot of the time in the chat room people are replying to each other but then also replying to us the transcripts can get a little hilarious like Zarvan I'm just going to read you a little bit of this Charles Nelson Riley also ate his own weight in coal and excreted diamonds every day had a third nipple on the back of his neck, and then Doc Sub's like, "That's how he got kicked off Top Chef," <laughs> which I think was referring to something else. Yeah, I know, but I love I love the little three act play that happened in my that head. Was, yeah, that was a beautiful little. That was like a that was like a stoppered piece of dialogue. Yeah. I think I think the what what I think what Zarban was saying was the was from I believe it's from the Weird Al Yankovic Charles Nelson Riley song. Yeah, he so was, was like a, a Chuck oh, Norris kind of a thing. It, yeah, it's I whole myth making. Here's, a, here's a big, uh, here's yeah. the big kind it's of telling like, like a white stripe. This is a hell of a shot too. Telling about four different stories at once, and also it's like you know, t- t- it's the Ocean's Eleven. Of technology high wise, in 1976, and again, somewhere in the, you know across in the Midwest. Haskell Wexler was shooting with the Steadicam from Bound for Glory for the first yeah. time around at the same time. But this isn't a Steadicam, so this is some kind the, of insane-ass no, regular this, crane shot. And I'll, I'll tell you what, this is this is a total uh, homage to I Am Cuba. Like, because I Am Cuba, there's a, mm. f- there's a, a street funeral scene that does the exact same thing, where it's on the ground, and then the, the camera op gets onto a crane, a cherry picker, and that raises mm. him up, and then it and then it just descends down. He's strapped in at this point. That pause there is him actually getting fastened, so you can kind of do this. Now. Did you see the screening of that a couple weeks ago? No, I, I'd seen. I, I'd gotten it on VHS back in like 2000, and like, I, and it fucking blew my mind the first time I had seen it. But yeah, and it still does. I mean, there, and there's a lot of there's a lot more direct homages. The pool scene in Boogie Nights is ripped yeah. directly yeah. from so, I Am oh, Cuba. Yeah. Boogie Nights stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The it gets better edit of this movie ends right now. Right about, yep. Yeah, freeze frame. But what about <laughs> the um, version you show your kids until they're 15? Yeah, yeah. ends there's, right there's now. There's that. Uh, there's that big shot in uh, in Volume One of Kill Bill as well yeah. through the uh, through the the club, the crazy ADA. Oh yeah, club. no, and that's and that's that's, abs- that's yeah. I mean, it, yeah. but again, what is Tarantino if not a a, a fucking yeah. mashup right. artist? But, but it's like, but now you got a steady cam, so all that gets so much easier than I exactly or this. Exactly. There's a lot of love for Haskell Wexler in the chat. And to, and smaller cameras, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> also, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm Cuba. The, 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 oh. What's miraculous about that is not just the cameras, but the fact that they're on hand-cranked box cameras, uh-huh. pure handheld, yeah. and that shit is steadier than a steady cam. Those those crazy Russian filmmakers, like, just they, for whatever reason, they were, and, and with an underwater housing, and so, like, for the, for three minutes, you're, you're out of water, and then they just step into the pool, and the shit is still steady as fuck, uh-huh. so... Yeah, I remember we, we, we were tension. We, yeah, because we're not hearing the the sound right now, but we've got the beautiful Carrie music, and then right in this shot with uh, you know uh, Chris and Billy under there, there's right. the it turns into the psycho music again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, it's funny. Yeah, the, the 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 scary horror music is for is for Nancy Allen. It's yeah, not, not for, for Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> she's the, she's the real monster. Yeah. yeah, I mean when Carrie uses her powers, we get the shrieking strings. Yeah, so like, it goes back, but but yeah, the whole idea that you know. Again, this this is just a lifetime movie where now it's all about to go horribly wrong. Yeah, but until now, it's you know other than a few flashes of of telekinesis, uh, you know psychokinesis. Let me ask like, you this: Does this story change significantly if she's not magic? Aside from the fact, well, like the movie ends with her murdering everybody with mind, mind bullets. Couldn't yeah. it have been a dream sequence? I mean, would that would that accomplish the same thing? No. 
I don't think so. I mean, I, but, but what are you gaining or, you know, what are you gaining by that? You're not gaining anything. I think like, I, I, I think ultimately the story of this is that, um, you know, it just, it just sucks. Just doing this yeah. to somebody else just sucks. There's no, it doesn't end good for anybody yeah. if you do this way. Nobody, nobody wins yeah. in this situation when you do this. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not good for you. It's not good for them. And in this case, it's, it's, you know, the extreme of that where everybody dies horribly. Um, do, so, yeah, do, doing something fucked up to somebody doesn't just fuck them up. It fucks the person doing the fucked up thing. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you hear stories about guys who have to, who had to do enhanced interrogation and how it just fucks them up as well. Like it's not, you know. Such a such a lovely subtle word, enhanced and well, phrase, enhanced yeah, interrogation. I'm, I'm, I'm using yeah, torture. Yeah. But no, it's no, like, no, you, know, you hear that about train conductors all the time. That what? the the, the <laughs> no no go de- on dealing yeah. with um, <laughs> what the, the 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 people coming into and going out of the industry of being in the front of a train or a subway. Oh, right, there's right, a right. lot of turnover in that industry because people jump in front of trains a lot, ah, and no. it fucks up the conductor. And often they'll see one of those things, quit immediately, and still be fucked up. You can only turn lives. people into pace so many times before you. Uh... Because often they see and they're breaking, and there's nothing they can do about yeah. it, and they're just spending the next you know two seconds or eternity depending on how it feels. And in the I, chat, watching so- them like. I'm about to hit him. Yeah. And in the chat, Zarba and like a boss uh, throws up the opening scene of I Am Cuba. There you go. So thanks, Good man. man. So yeah, this is a, last night when I was rewatching this movie to to brush up. I had to. I, I literally just had to stop it at this point because because <laughs> I know everything turns to shit right now, and I uh, I don't, don't want to see it. But uh, this, and then I turned it back on and I watched the rest of it, and I was amazed how much more there was of yep. the building of the suspense that it just went on and on and on. It's like oh, De Palma. See, as as clunky and not you know not necessarily uh, perfect and ideal as the movie has been up to this point, really the masterpiece of the movie is this sequence right yeah. here. Yeah, and I you know we're about to jump into the the multi box or the split screen, which I'm not such a fan of, but the moment up to the bucket is just you yeah know, pure yeah. filmmaking as good as it gets. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the multi of the split yeah. screen here. I don't think you gain anything by it. But, I think I think considering the the amount of control and expertise he had moving the camera to tell you bits and just in oneers. No reason he couldn't have done that. Yeah, but yeah. this, you know. but this build here, it's great. It, and it's great. and the only thing that spoils it is the fact that you know even in '76 we'd all seen the poster. Yeah, yeah. So we know that you know this, this it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, so and but we kind of playing off that, you know the the movie says you know shows you all the different ways that it almost didn't happen. Yeah. Like oh it so, came so close to being prevented in so many ways. <sighs> the, but the fact that the fact that Sue. Quite, quite literally, the fact that Sue is trying to help but is mis- she's misunderstood, yeah. and yeah. that's ultimately what saves her life, yeah. because she's ejected from the prom for yeah. B- yeah, because good the, adaptation the teacher. There. This is where everyone is. Everyone's yeah. trying to do the right thing, except for the one true villain. Yeah, everyone's trying to do the right thing, and it's the wrong thing. Yeah, it's the wrong goddamn thing. Up until this moment, I, I, I. I Karen, uh, Karen Allen, I, I still hit it like her character, but like, but at this Nancy point, Allen. Nancy Allen. I'm sorry, Karen Allen is a very different person. I uh, hit that too, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes! Oh, yeah, they got the and viscosity that's just heartbreaking. of it. Right, such an iconic image too. Yeah. I mean, this they got the instantly became of part of right, movie yeah. history. The version, the version of my uh, uh, my book that I the, the book oh, E. McClurg, who I, cries for you? The because uh, um, you were talking <laughs> about your cover. Yeah. I, the the one I got from a used bookstore, you know, obviously many years later, was the v- edition that they put out when they were making Carrie the musical. Oh, oh wow! Which ran for like a week, blood, and uh, blood, blood. but it was that was a fun week. It was, <laughs> it was uh, as I recall, the image was a play on The Great Gatsby, so it was like oh, a wow. really uh, kind of 
simple uh, image of like Carrie with the hair and stuff, but instead of like the green tear, it was like blood. Oh, okay. <laughs> later. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Wait, that's a wrap on William Cat, everyone. Yeah, everybody, William Cat. Cat is down. I repeat, cat is down. <laughs> the football has landed. And I love the the one who starts laughing initially. It's like that's that's all it needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, it's PJ. Well, and 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 as you said in the in the book, it's it, it's an omniscient perspective. So there are a bunch of people t- who who mentioned. Oh, there are Jesus. a couple of people who survive, yeah. and they say we started laughing because it was either that or we started crying. Yeah, you know, and somebody else started laughing, and that set up the rest of us off. Yeah, one girl's still wearing that red hat with the. Yeah, the P- PJ is still wearing. She had her hair yeah. done, and now she's got her baseball cap back on. She's unclear on the concept of having your hair done. The other thing is that just the, uh, the all the voices that she hears right there. It's like I you I, you could have done without that. Yeah, I know. I, I thought that was a little just, too on the nose. I'm gonna yeah. laugh at you. It's just oh no, just 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 watch her and Here just comes go. The eyes. What on earth is she thinking? Who oh, knows? The eyes. And yeah, then when she there's the Oscar right and there. And there we go. And now we're into this. And now we're into the opening for Starsky and Hutch. So, but the now he does now. By the way, De Palma does do as as an homage slash fun thing in *Phantom of the Paradise*. He does an entire he does two long take shots in a split screen that are happening simultaneously. So he's actually running two different. That's rad. I know it's crazy, and it's it's, where are you at, Alfonso? And it's all an homage to *Touch of Evil* because it's very clearly riffing on *Touch of Evil*, which is the of course the original mess, you know, the original huge mega master take. Um, but uh, but he he did that in uh, you know so this is he's he's already done this sort of thing already in a movie he did Phantom of the Paradise has some of this going on in the chat Jimmy asks is the teacher actually laughing I mean are they all laughing or is she imagining I think the some idea is that no she, ima- she she snaps and, yeah. and imagines that everyone PJ, yeah that's why PJ that's Souls why is probably laughing for yeah real. but like not everybody else yeah. I don't anticipate everybody else laughing and suddenly it turns to the end yeah and fair enough in the chat Doc's like in that situation it would seem like everyone was laughing yeah, yeah. The, it, apparently the uh, we're talking about the split screen. Um, his his original version of it it was even more extensive, and he was like, "Okay, this isn't working." So that's why you see uh, in a lot of these shots, the framing of it is very off to one side or the other because mm, it was yeah. he was originally designing it to uh, to be part of a split, which ultimately he took away and just let play. Now, what's funny about this is for me in in rediscovering it is uh, there you go, good PJ Souls with a fire hose. Who hasn't wanted to do that at some point? <laughs> Trey, at the time, was the fire hose stuff still very racially charged? That was <laughs> I, I don't, I don't make that, was, that leap. No, I don't think okay. of that. Um, and it's because there's no, there's nobody but black, white people here. Oh no, but it was, exactly. it was what like exactly. it was all- the, the one black character, and he was the one who got hit with the fire hose. <laughs> then we go, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> hold up, carry. <laughs> but a, a lot of the ways that the a lot of the ways that those shots were framed, and a lot of the reactions, and a lot of how it. Well, there might have been a visceral thing going on, sort yeah, of like the uh, no black people. This there was a lot of echoing to yeah. Now see this. This is one of the few places where the split screen works, where we you know we go through all the mayhem, yeah. and and, land, and we see Karen and Allen, land yeah. on on, on oh, Nancy Jesus. Allen. Now, but what what, what I was going to say is what really struck me is like I remember from '76 and you know seeing the movie contemporaneously at that time, going, oh my god, it was such an awesome scene, and seeing how kind of it's kind of a lame scene, really. It's not that great um, until this moment this, when when yeah. the when the walls go up in flames. Yeah. Then it's like okay, now we're cooking. Shit pardon real. the expression. That was a but, hot set that day. Too, yeah, and, I, and I'm looking at this going, and this is. Is this a set, or are they really doing some serious pyro in somebody's gymnasium <laughs> it right ca- now? It kind of, fe- honestly, it felt. Well, like- we're not seeing much smoke, so they're probably jets. Yeah, 
Like that was something we talked about. Was it in yeah, no, Jack, you can see the Jets. You can see the Jets. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's like if, if that's a real location, that's some hardcore shit yeah. they're doing. So uh, you know, this obviously there's a real exterior, but there's some effects work going yeah. on here. So, Although you can see real, real smoke blowing out. Yeah, this is a great image too. Yeah, uh, this is an image that really sells it. But but, uh, um, but yeah, the whole bit with the fire hose, you know, she doesn't really do that much other than like you know this fire hose puppet kind of sprays people. That's really all that happens. So it's like I was I was kind of struck by like wow, I remembered that being. More horrifying, but of course that's with a seventy-six sensibility. Yeah. Not a seventy-six sensibility. <laughs> a nineteen seventy-six sensibility. And these are the most unobservant fired firemen I've ever. <laughs> Maybe we should pull over and now check covering blood. No, she's good. She's so they film that entire sequence. Keep going, keep driving, keep driving. <laughs> they film the entire sequence in super slow motion and they have to step yeah. print the like final shot of her walking out of the quick room. distinction. Um <laughs> yeah. now here's 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 a bad optical. Here's yeah. a bad optical. That's bad. Spit no, the, no. the twirl here. Yeah. The twirl. Or very Irwin <laughs> Allen. What are you that, that was Hitchcock, right? There. It's like of all the, um, of all the Brian De Palma, Mister, you know, custom camera rig, put people on the turntable. Boom! You, you couldn't spin the camera one to ten seconds for for that one shot. Um, a quick distinction from earlier when I said multi the difference between a split screen and multi a split screen stays static. Multi boxes is when you split screen and then you start moving. They them slide around. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, uh, Thomas Cron, the original Thomas Cron, yes, did, yeah. did that extensively. And um, uh, and, became, and uh, uh, X Men First Class, yeah, did that well, as an homage yeah, to exactly. the time. As exactly. and that's and the reason and uh, it was a big thing in a lot of seventies TV shows at the time too because the the opening titles they got a separate budget for and they were able that's to true. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's sliding. That's sliding. Streets thing. of San Francisco, uh, Star Seeing. Hutch a Quinn and, Martin production, yeah, and yeah, yeah. a lot of Quinn Martin. Production. So if the if the film ended with, uh huh, that would be a really shot. ambiguous ending. By, by the way, Sissy Spacek, Mom, home. Uh, apparently super hardcore. Like first of all, she was totally they they did you know food coloring caro syrup, but she's like you can dump real blood on me if you want to, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, apparently for continuity purposes. So that they didn't have to keep doing it. Yeah. She she didn't wash that shit off for like three days. Jesus. I, she she, kept, she just slept that way oh, for three days God. For, for the for the period of shooting. I really love <laughs> hearing stories like that about actors because for some reason it seems like the sort of way I would end up doing it if I was in their position where it's like no fuck it let's do this. Yeah. I'm being paid a ridiculous amount of yeah, money exactly. to say and unlike, lines. Unlike Mia Farrow, I I think I am going to get nominated for the Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she really wanted to do the role. She yeah, really she really it. wanted it. And uh, campaign for it. She could have played Luna Lovegood. Yeah. Oh yeah. And worked and worked her ass off doing it. You know. Oh my her. God. Speaking of speaking of how Harry Potter could have done, gone differently. Seriously. If yeah. Luna Lovegood were more Woo. like Carrie. Good grief. If Harry Potter. Shit. I mean, like the girl Harry. that played Luna Lovegood, if she was a little bit younger now, so she could still be that age, would have been a badass Carrie for the remake. Mm, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, British. So, Irish. This was another. Uh-huh. This is another scene that was interesting to rediscover because, of course, other than the the final image, which. You know, strangely enough, it's really not even Jesus they're worshiping at Saint Sebastian for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But um, is that why it's arrows instead of? Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's Saint Sebastian. That's a, the iconic image of Saint Sebastian. He's, he's a dude behind Jesus to the left. Yeah. <laughs> but um, behind and to the left, behind and to the left. <laughs> clearly, behind and to see, the left. Clearly, you can see Jesus' head going behind and to the left. But I'd forgotten how how because I was watching it on Netflix last night. I was like, okay, the prom happened. Now she's gonna go home and the thing with the mom. Blah blah blah. Um, and I look at the counter and there's like 15 minutes left and I'm like, wait, what? I know there's nothing else that happens. So I was watching this movie and I was struck by how this this section is even more suspenseful, really, yeah. than anything else, because, you know, mom has lost her goddamn mind. <laughs> yep. yeah. You know that all hell's going to break loose somehow. And the movie makes you wait. 
10 minutes. And you have no idea what's going through Carrie's head. And you don't don't even know what to expect with mom. Because last time we saw her, she was just chopping an empty cutting board. It's like you just every every dark corner and she walks through the entire damn house. You know, you you expect mom to pop out. Yep. And then he does like the opposite, which is, again, genius work where it's like she's right there. Mom is right there in this shot. And uh, she doesn't pop out. We just know that now that we just know where she is. And if if we happen to have noticed her, I didn't notice her until no, she you don't until you, I, I never spotted until you push right in on her. But she's right there yeah. talking about hiding in plain sight. But uh, the fact that she doesn't do anything is even worse. That she's just standing there, she's just hanging out. And now you just have to wait for the rest of the scene. And of course, then he goes right to talk about a Hitchcock homage. Then Stacy Spacek proceeds to take a bath, mm. where you have to spend the whole bath going. And now Mom's going to stab her. 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 (laughs) And doesn't ever happen. It's like, that's how you homage and rip off Hitchcock at the same time. There's a, I did the, um, every year I do the Universal Studios Halloween Horror Night. And there's a series of mazes where spooky things jump out at you. But Mm. last year we did the VIP experience where they take you. (laughs) Hey, seriously. The VIP experience, they take you on a separate tour that goes directly onto the back lot. Like you're actually in the actual sets. Mm. And the entire time, and the guy is saying like, yes, we've had several deaths over the years at Universal Studios. And uh, (laughs) and they take you by Jaws Lake and like right here, uh, there was a stuntman who drowned. And he's just talking. And while he's talking, just there's a few bubbles in the water. Uh And nothing ever jumps out at you. There's no ever spooky haunts. It's just you having to walk the length around Amity Lake and just a door will open. A light will come on. <laughs> Nobody jumps out at you like yeah. all the other stuff. And that makes it a thousand times creepier. <laughs> like I was just, I was like racing to get the fuck. I'm like, please send me to the part where clowns with chainsaws are going to come at me. <laughs> yeah. I prefer that I to this. Handle it. She, uh, as, as uh, Doxa pointed out, the, in the in the book, she never washes off the blood. She dies that way. Mm. But the movie does it as kind of a, an inversion of the opening scene where, you know, she was clean right. and then she she right. the blood came and now she's ah. washing off the blood well, gets, the, well not even further than that she gets to take off the, the get the red off get yeah. the blood out and then put on a cyan thing which mm. is the complete opposite end of the color <laughs> yeah. spectrum certainly, certainly from, even for, more from a practical shooting standpoint loved. it makes sense but it actually makes an interesting it's it's a it's an interesting choice for the story as well this is she was the, the mom nominated for an Oscar. Yes, this for supporting scene, actress as well. This scene is so amazing, and the the great thing apparently in the oh, in the uh, uh, in the behind the scenes information is she she pulls out all the stops like this because she thought she was in a campy horror satire. Right, like she's like there is no way this is a serious movie. <laughs> like I'm playing this way too broad and crazy. Shoot and it. so and she just chewed it up. But because of the way that <laughs> supporting the, actress nomination, yeah, boom. The way the the way the movie is constructed around this character and the way it makes this character work. It just it's makes like, her stand out as crazy, it, not stand out as bad. It's yeah, it, it's um, it's an um, it turns into a, this amazing piece of acting. Yeah. He, even even when she thought she was, you know, twirling her mustache crazy. And there's there's something to be said for the fact that there is no way she could have known that the movie was going to look like this. Right. Yeah. You know, back in in this time, actually being on the set, it's super bright. It looks like a TV set. You know, a, a set for a television show. I mean, and they're and, just stopped way down. And and yeah, they're stopped way down. And she she can't see through the camera. You know, you they they probably had a video tap, but it's not like today you can go look at the HD monitor and see what the the shot looks like. So she had no idea it looked like this until the movie came out. I haven't basically. seen none of us have seen. I think I don't think it's come out yet. We're doing it right now because the remake is coming out like nowish. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's out this weekend. My only reason it's currently out. My only reason for wanting to see it, I'm not super. I was never super psyched about the Chloe Moretz casting thing, but I would be very interested to watch Julianne Moore's take on this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've heard nothing but good things about her performance in it. I'm I'm looking forward to. I considered seeing because it you know it came out yesterday, so I considered seeing it yesterday before this, but I didn't want. I actually wanted to be able to talk about this movie without knowing about what they did in the in the remake right. and yeah. we can talk about the remake separately i am i i i'm curious i do like Chloe yeah. moritz a lot i i think yeah. i love kimberly pierce she's one to yeah. she's one to watch you know as it can, obviously she's had a hell of a career already you know i think she's i think she's really quite good and uh you know some, some of the even in bad movies like kick-ass too but uh but so i'm curious to see Carrie, but it is kind of like I just I don't know if this is a movie that really needed to be remade. I think it might be just the shadow, maybe too long. Yeah, they re- well. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's not good. They they remade it just to uh, make it ooh, bigger on the knife. Oh, you know, they pr- they probably they probably have the sequence with the stones. Yeah, they probably have all that have stuff. The, and it would have the only thing that would have been worse than that. The story gravity is bigger. Only yeah. thing that would have been worse than that just now is if the if she stabbed her and then let go of the knife the and knife then she fell down her, on yeah. it. Yeah. Oh wow! Just something about that is worse. It's just yeah. tearing around and you're landing on it and. Ugh. Now this is just like oh god. And again, it's like this is not supernatural. This is your mom coming at you with a knife. Does anyone yeah, know that's, what that's because she regrets that you were born. That's yeah. the horror of the scene. No, no middle middle American parent has ever th- wished that. Yeah. And, yeah. and also the the like we were saying before, the villain in this scene is not Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> the the this is a slasher movie, but it's mom and not Carrie. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Ting. I love the fact that she not the potato peeler. Yeah. Oh, and no. then the spatula. No. It'd be great if it was just like blunt weapons. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh no, the ladle, the ping pong table, oh, the the pie cutter, the dog, oh, the potato ricer. Yeah. <laughs> Make that work. Crockpot, the rotary forks. grater. <laughs> this is one of those things. It's like okay, I see the symbolism, except I'm not sure what the symbolism is. Why do we live next to a Bed Bath Beyond? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Another well, I I will say I appreciated in uh oh god the her ecstasy of being martyred yeah and she died for Carrie and she's, sins, and she's enjoying right. she's enjoying being penetrated by the stuff like she said yeah. about her yeah. ooh she liked it yep. she liked it but uh, I do appreciate that we don't get the Rosemary's Baby moment where it actually flashes to yes. Plaza Jesus thank you yeah. <laughs> we we it's, see it's pretty it's pretty hit on the nails pretty yeah. hammered in pretty deep as it is the potato peelers nailed in pretty yeah <laughs> it was pretty good <laughs> hey girl but yeah. uh, Doc Sub makes a great see, point see if I was Piper Laurie and this was the movie I was in seriously like the little statue yeah. okay I would think I'm doing a campy yeah. horror film too <laughs> like you can't be serious with this shit Doc Sub made a great point in the chat he he says what's scary is that this would have happened regardless of what happened at prom yeah yeah. Which is completely That's terrible. a very good point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's her mom doesn't even know what went down. <laughs> yeah. Because she, she saw her daughter clean, kind of? Yeah, because yeah. she was behind the door when she came she home. Didn't, she she didn't see the mom, blood. Mom, yeah. That was it. That's the missing piece. His mom going, okay, hold up. Why are you bloody? <laughs> what the hell happened? I got to ask. I just got to ask. Prom was never bad. Th- That's such a Stephen like King that. image right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, Gerald. Although came. it wasn't, that it's wasn't not, part of the uh, nothing to do book. with the book. Yeah, yeah but it is very much the it's kind of the thing Brandon he would Palma dig. thing. Yeah. Go and look at me directing, Mike. Is there any um... King loved this movie? By the way, he did. It was he, he really. Yeah, it was. Very, I mean, you know, it was this movie was what made Stephen King start to become a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, well, and book, Brian De Palma as well. It was his first big hit as a book. It was his first book. It was, first his, it was his first book, published yeah. book, and this is the first movie made from his first book. Yeah. So this is the beginning of Stephen King as a name that you under, that you knew, that you recognized. Like, And like I said, though, this movie made the equivalent of well over $100 million in its mm. day in terms of who saw, you know, yeah. everybody saw it so many times. 
Mike, what you got on St. Sebastian? Is there like additional levels of stuff here that we don't On St. Sebastian? No. Yeah. Um, no, I can say I'm currently reading, um, I'm currently reading, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, uh, Zealot. I'm currently reading Zealot, which is an analysis of the historical Jesus. Um, and it talks oh, is that the Ehrman yeah. book? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's it talks specifically about how um, crucifixion wasn't just meant... The, the sign above uh, Jesus that everybody uh, thinks stands for thieves, it actually doesn't. Directly translated, it means bandit, which was common for a phrase for people who were essentially revolutionaries and terrorists. And uh, that's how they viewed um, Jesus and the people he was... So, St. Sebastian wasn't crucified, though. He was like... He, he is commonly. I'm looking at Wikipedia now. Yeah. He's commonly depicted in art and literature tied to a poster tree and shot with arrows. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is Saint Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, so. He was a he was an early martyr and that's, for. So so it's he he was a martyr for Christ. Yeah. So that's that's probably what interests her more is is the suffering for is, Christ, is, yeah. is suffering for the sake of faith as opposed to. Christ that quick answer. That quick answer always bugged me. It's like, yeah, we need it. We need to see her passed out in the thing. But I feel like we get the same thing here. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like you could have easily manipulated the the framing and the push to get off of Saint Sebastian and be more on her. Yeah. Uh, but that insert just kind of interrupted the flow. Unless, like, for whatever reason, they needed to split the the film and throw an insert. Because sometimes you do that. Sometimes you so, have yeah. to. Sometimes well, you're, you're tied th- to throwing in a cutaway. They've got the miniature house effect, which probably had its good good seconds and bad seconds which probably they need to take time out of as well now this uh, even at the time you know this ending this which you know the the pseudo ending it's not the complete ending but the that ending was a little confusing because like well what's actually happening here i mean what's going on um and it's because also it's it's really it's a cobbled together result of a lot of effect shots that didn't work um because originally there was a whole thing where it, it was a framing device it's in the book where stones fall from the sky and again, it's like signs and omens, blah, blah, yeah. blah. That was a framing story about Doreen Carey was very young. It happened, and then it happens again here. But the stone gag didn't work. No. So they said, oh, just fucking set the model on just fire. Burn it down. Fuck it. And so, so, but then you've got inside the house, they've got the practical shots of holes being punched through the walls. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be what, the stones. Yeah. So it's like, so the house just starts to collapse and crush and f- catch fire. At the time, it was like, "Why is that happening?" And so you're so, just like tying guy lines inside of the structure, yeah. just pulling on them. Yeah, exactly. So, but the question is, like, story wise, you know, I at the time, my my 16 year old, you know, rationalization was, "Mom was right. The devil is coming to collect." Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, you know, my that's, work. That's a good. Your work here is done, Carrie. Let yeah. me come get take you home now. That, and I, I think that's a perfectly valid mm. <laughs> uh, kind of way to view it, and and. Uh, I kind of like it. I kind of like that idea, <laughs> especially especially when we get this little almost Freddy Krueger moment of Carrie coming up from hell to exactly. fucking take Sue. Now with I, her. I have to say, when I saw this the first time in the theater, I I had the worst possible experience with this, and I'm not talking about how someone touched my hand at exactly the right moment. Uh. I literally blinked. And didn't see the hand. I uh, mean, I like I would look, I would sort of like looked away from the screen, and suddenly the entire audience was screaming their heads off. And I'm like, <laughs> "What? What?" And, and I'm looking at you know, Amy Irving in her in bed, going, "Ah, Wait, you guys, like, what happened?" It's like, "What happened?" I, I totally missed it. I missed. The, I mean, I mean, I did see. I did see the. Actually, it goes on for long enough. I did see. The, there's two cuts of it, but I didn't see the scare moment. Yeah, I, I literally was like, "Oh, okay, so you know, she's Boom. walking toward the thing." And, yeah, and and I literally like turned to say something to the person next to me or whatever. But I, I took my eyes off the screen <laughs> at the critical moment, and suddenly the entire audience screamed, right. and I didn't know why. It's because they weren't like they didn't like that you looked away. Yeah, uh, I like I, I do like that. It's not it's not structured as a jump scare. Like there's not 
a yeah. big noise that comes. It's just, it's just and a there's a, and there's a hand coming up. The, my That's my scary. question always was after seeing this is like, so what was Carrie doing prior to that? Like yeah. was she just hanging out? Like was she <laughs> wait for it? Hey, wait Sue. for it. Yeah. Tell me it hard. occurs to me this could be a sequel to Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Have Carrie be Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. And yeah. the blood and the blood is still wet. Yeah. <laughs> It'll always be wet. Yeah. That's really haven't you seen again, Constantine? Sissy Spacek being so hardcore, she's like, "No, nope, put me under the rocks." I will yeah, that was it. actually her. That's really her hand. And All this right. is and this is Amy Irving's actual mom too. Oh yeah, in real life. Uh, Roy Schneider famously used to always uh, read lines, even when he wasn't in the scene when they were just getting the other person's side of the conversation. Uh-huh. Remember what he shot? He was always there delivering his lines. Tom Hanks does that too. Yeah, he even. Um, was it Hanks that was talking? It was it, no, it was Michael Clark Duncan talking about Hanks for Green Mile. Right, that's what. It was. Uh, yeah, that's where right. yeah. even for Michael Clark Duncan's shots at the end of, I'm assuming you know what happens at the end, but I'm not going to say it explicitly. But at the end of his story in that movie, Hanks was there even for the reverses on Michael, giving the exact same performance. Yeah, giving, yeah. He giving said he was Oscar giving an Oscar-worthy performance, performance off camera, yeah. mm-hmm. which was great. So Carrie is a just a freaky ass movie, and it's a little <laughs> long here and there, yeah. but generally I think this holds it's, up great. It's still and, a short movie too, and honestly. I, I, aside from John Travolta being kind of like shoehorned in there a little, a little bit. Well, it only feels all the, that all the, way because you're like, what are you doing, John Travolta? You should you're be doing two scenes. Either be in this or not. Make yeah. up your mind. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like Jabba the Hutt in the, the special edition. But the, like the casting of this movie also was just fantastic. And Sissy Spacek was just a hell of a find. Had she been doing stuff before this? She did. She was in Badlands with Martin Sheen. That was a big, that was a, that was a Terrence, big, Malick, Terrence movie. Malick movie. Yeah. That was where she met her husband. She was her great. Husband to be. The weird thing about the casting of this, if you don't know this history, is this movie and Star Wars were being cast at the same, same time, time, and mm. everybody read for everything. Yep. So imagine the the alternate future. <laughs> There's famous. Where, uh, where this is the cast of Star Wars. Yeah. There's famous and, uh, shots of William Cat auditioning for yeah, uh, and Luke, I think. Amy Luke, Irving yeah. was reading for all the parts, and, which I totally see in my head. Me yeah, too. He was <laughs> apparently <laughs> it was it was very close between him and Mark Hamill. Yeah. Anyway, which you can absolutely get super cool movie, and uh, not one that I revisit that often, but every single time I do, I always like it. <laughs> and I find something new to appreciate, and that's all you can ask for with the movie, I guess. It's Super cool. Go carry. Paul? Dig it. Eddie? <laughs> there's uh, there's some movies that, you know, you were like, oh, it's getting close to Halloween. We should watch a scary movie. And those movies only exist in the orbit of Halloween, I think. Uh, yeah. But Carrie is one of those movies you can be like, it can be March. You're like, let's watch Carrie. And you're you're set for a good time. I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, you kind of you kind of want to wish, uh, you know, De Palma went, obviously, did some great things after this, too. But I don't know. For me, like, I, I wish he could make. Uh, something with the impact of this now. I, I wish that for yeah. him. I don't think that's always necessarily come about that way. But I mean, great. Uh, rising. It's just perfect storm of everybody hitting their parts right. And I think as far as captaining a ship like a director is supposed to and being in charge of tone, I don't think you could ask for a better job. So. Michael? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I have much to add to uh, <laughs> either Eddie or Paul's point. Um, <laughs> Plug it up. I uh, Yeah, I... I I think uh, the the main thing I really appreciate it now is is the simplicity of it and how it's just I'm telling a story about a girl who had a shitty prom. <laughs> the end. Oh, oh my god! In the chat, Ravens like we were about ten votes shy of having a Carrie themed prom. Oh wow. Jesus! Wow, Carrie well, themed prom. That's, that's like that's that's well, crazy. people have Gatsby parties. So how why not? postmodern yeah. can you get? Um, but uh, yeah, really well made. I can see how. I don't. I don't see the point of of. Remaking this, yeah, I can. I uh, exactly. I can see how 
That's not the, the case for all old movies. I can see it sometimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Or readapting the text. Yeah. yeah. But I can, this did it. I, I can see how the tech... Uh, the only thing I can see is that they go, we can do the Stones thing and we can blow up a gas station this time. And the, like that's the only thing you could really uh, achieve differently. A friend of mine was saying that they would have to have scenes where they're texting her pictures of tampons. <laughs> <laughs> Probably it'll be interesting to see. You know, does she Wikipedia on telekinesis? Yeah. Or does she? What does she do? But Trey, uh, yeah. Actually, it would be funny. Mike just said exactly what I was going to say. It's like as much as I like Chloe Moretz and I think she's a great actress and whatever she does in that movie, and Julianne Moore. I'm sure. I'm sure the performances in the new Carrie remake are going to be fine. I just again, I, I'm not exactly like, oh boy, a Carrie remake. I really want to see that. It's like it's more maybe like maybe this time they'll nail it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Other th- other than the fact that the effects are going to be bigger and louder and and the story gravity is going to be you know more powerful. I just I why why make it again? Why do it other than you know, well the answer is to make money. Obviously, that's yeah. you know I'm not I'm not an idiot, but but <laughs> but from a from a you know as a viewer who you know as a person who like knows the original movie, it's like yeah, I just just watch the original, just watch the original again. Right. This has been What Are You Doing Movie? You can always find more episodes of this and other great podcasts at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum, involve yourself in the conversation, great community of people, and it's a bunch of creative folks that like talking about movies just like you. Please come and hang out. Buy our shirts. Give us money. We're not asking. We're just saying, you know, there's a PayPal button on the homepage. Facebook.com slash friendsinyourhead. Twitter friends in Urhead. Holden Hill Design to maintain the website. Until next week, my name is T. Christie. Eddie Doody. Hi, Scott. Thanks, Doug. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Plug it up. There is no evidence that I know of for, or, or no remaining, you know, uh, artifact from the the Carrie musical aside from the that book cover. Lost that I to have. history. It's like, yeah, they're like, oh my god, the musical it was, numbers. It was the I wanted. I want to hear the musical number. Plug it up. I want. Yeah. I want to know what that sounded. I, like. I want. I, I want, want that, Danny Elfman to write that. I want. <laughs> yeah. what, I want that one Keystone song where the character like sits on a rock or a garbage can and like sings about what they want in the world. Uh-huh. I want that song. My dirty uh-huh. pillows like, are throbbing. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> Can't, why can't these pillows be washed? <laughs> no, it's like, she calls my pillows dirty, they're dirty and hurty, but if I wash them up, she calls it original sin. <laughs> but isn't it so jazzy? And I like thought it's more of a ballad. Like a, a, comes out, a ballad with like a, soaring, a soaring hook. That's what yeah. I always thought that What's song the over was the supposed rainbow to be. My version. mother yeah. is a nut. Yeah. <laughs> but still, she makes a point. Friendsinyourhead.com.